the records show that we started one minute after five. Uh, the first order of business is to uh, just review the agenda. Uh, so all the councillors should have an agenda in front of them. Are there any additions that are required to that agenda? There are none from the staff, Your Worship. Okay. Any uh, any deletions? There are none from staff, Your Worship. Okay. I'll entertain a motion to adopt the agenda as presented. I'll move the November 27th agenda as presented. All in favor? That takes us to the minutes of October 20, 2017 organizational meeting. Uh, I'm assuming all councillors have had a chance to review those minutes. Are there any additions, changes, clarifications, etc. required? Okay, all in favor? Uh, that takes us to the minutes of November 14, 2017, regular council meeting. Any uh, additions, deletions, clarifications, etc. required to those meeting minutes? If you're looking for a, a motion to move things along, Your Worship, I would move the minutes of November 14th. All, all in favor? That's passed. Uh, we have one public hearing, I understand. Mr. Parker, this is bylaw 2014, an amendment to the land use bylaw. That is for 1891 to add production of beer, wine, spirits, and liqueurs to the land use bylaw. That is correct, Your Worship. Okay, I will. Uh, so we'll have a uh, a public hearing. <coughs> so with that, I uh, hereby declare the statutory hearing open at four minutes after five on November the seventh. 2017, and note this hearing is being held pursuant to section 7, 8, 230, 606, and 692 of the Municipal Government Act. I request the uh, Ms. McQuaig, our Executive consist, uh, Assistant, to uh, confirm what the purpose of the public hearing is. Your Worship and Council, the purpose of this public hearing is bylaw 2014, an amendment to the land use bylaw number 1891 to add the production of beer, wine, spirits, and liquors. Uh, when was the public hearing notice advertised in the uh, local newspaper record? Worship and Council, the statutory hearing public notice was published on November 15th and 22nd, 2017. And were there any written submissions received uh, and not included in the public hearing agenda package? There were none, sir. Okay. Uh, so I will just ask that all persons giving our presentations are to clearly state their name and uh, try and keep their presentations brief and to the point. I will now call on the development officer, Ms. Alicia Modi, uh, to come forward to the speaker's bench and uh, present the, uh, the bylaw. Good evening, Alicia Modi, Municipal Planner. 
I'm here to present uh, Bylaw 2014, which does propose to add brewery, winery, and or distillery as a use to our land use bylaw. An application to amend the land use bylaw has been received. Uh, the application was to add production of beer, wine, spirits, and liquor or liqueurs to the Peace River land use bylaw, and they requested that that use be enabled within the Riverfront Development District, the Mixed Commercial Residential District, the Primary Commercial District, and the Mixed Industrial Business District of the land use bylaw. Administration has reviewed a number of bylaws for municipalities around the province. Uh, we've provided a selection of definitions and where those uses have been enabled in different municipalities. Uh, you can see that they have been enabled in both business and industrial districts in a variety of municipalities around the province, including Grand Prairie and Slave Lake as some near comparisons. Um, instead of adopting a exactly the same definition as what was proposed in uh, in those other or what is enabled in those other municipalities we have proposed a specific definition for the town of peace river which reads brewery winery and or distillery means a use where an, where an alcoholic beverage is manufactured packaged and sold on site the development is licensed by the alberta gaming and liquor commission this use does not include development instead of a class e licensed manufacturer from the aglc Developments with a Class C licensed manufacturer from the AGLC must may be considered under the general industrial use of this bylaw. And the bylaw before you proposes to add the use as a discretionary use to the Riverfront Development District, the Mixed Commercial Residential District, the Primary Commercial District, the Highway Commercial District, the Commercial Shopping Centre District, and the Mixed Industrial Business District, as well as the Agriculture Urban Reserve District. I have attached a map to the back of the bylaw package that shows which lands the use would be enabled in. The bylaw also sets out a variety of regulations which we would use to uh, consider the application as well as make sure that there were appropriate conditions to any development. Uh, specifically, we establish minimum parking requirements. We provide further direction with respect to any accessory or related uses that may be enabled and we set out specific application requirements in terms of information that we would require prior to making a decision. The bylaw also allows, in the case of discretionary uses, for the town to ask for additional information that's not specifically allowed in the bylaw. At first reading, there was a suggestion that we would enable this use as a permitted use in the Riverfront Development District. Um, given some of the direction that we have in some of our statutory documents, specifically the Municipal Development Plan. Uh, we did review those documents, and if Council wants to make that change to the bylaw, we have provided an alternate bylaw that would add it as a permitted use in both the Riverfront Development District as well as the Primary Commercial District. In that case, we've also added one additional regulation that would allow administration to consider the setback requirements that are currently within our land use bylaw with respect to liquor stores. So it allows us to set some setbacks with respect to the location of the use relative to a park or another a school, places where children would frequent. It gives us the discretion, it doesn't require us to apply those, so we'd still have the ability to consider the use on a site-specific basis, but it ensures that even if the use is permitted, we can still turn our minds to that and set that type of condition if we so choose. So we've provided two definitions or two uh, bylaws for council to consider tonight. The bylaw as it was advertised 
or the bylaw with that slight change. The land use bylaw is a statutory bylaw and requires three readings in the public hearing. Uh, subsequent to first reading, the bylaw was advertised on November 15th and 22nd, and a public hearing was scheduled for this evening. We have not received any feedback from the public with respect to this bylaw. We have uh, four options before council this evening to provide second and third reading to the bylaw, to provide second reading only and require any additional information that you may need to make your decision, to not to defeat or to not provide second reading to the bylaw, or to move to update the bylaw to make it a permitted use in the Riverfront Development District and or the primary commercial district and add in the following regulation that the development authority may consider and apply the development separation distance requirements established by section 1219C when making a decision on a development permit for an application for brewery, winery, and or distillery. I can take any questions you might have. Any questions from Ms. Mooney? So just to be clear, if we go with the permitted use, then somebody says, I want to set up one of these location X. At that point, it's going to be advertised and any neighbors can have their say about it as well. So if it's permitted, they could still say too bad. If it's permitted, provided that the applicant provides all of the information that's required in the land use bylaw and meets all of the requirements, such as parking and that sort of thing, then it would it's permitted use, so we would approve it. The use would be advertised for the appeal period, which I believe is now 21 days, and someone could potentially make an appeal to that use. Uh, but the ability to appeal is limited because it is a permitted use. So it would only be if the town had failed to properly get all the information, if there was an error in that sort of way, then there might be an appeal, but the chances of there being an appeal is much less. So if school X says, I don't want to see that establishment from my windows, mm -hmm. what would happen? Well, given that we've added in the regulation, um, we could potentially consider a proper setback distance relative to what's in the bylaw for liquor stores. I believe it's, and I do have attached the relevant section of the land use bylaw, it's 150 meters. That's what the bylaw sets up for liquor stores. So school X could still see it, it would just be further away. Yes, if the development authority chose to establish a setback. Oh, just to clarify, so since the municipal planning commission decides on permitted uses. No, for a permitted use, it's the development officer. For the MPC is for discretionary uses. Okay. So where it was permitted, that would be administration processing that application. <clears throat> Any other questions, Ms. Morgan? Your Worship, I had a question around the proposed amendment, but it was answered. So it's 150 meters. Is that? Uh, sort of a, a local guide or an industry guide uh, i'm seeing a nod so it's it's a local guide uh, that's okay. what we've chosen to apply to liquor stores within our land use bylaw it's not by any means something set by the province okay. so fair enough thank you i see no further questions <clears throat> for you miss Modi. so i will uh, now call on those in favor of the bylaw who wish to speak to uh, to come forward first call this will be second call and I will now issue third call for those in favor of the bylaw who wish to come forward uh, 
Seeing nobody stepping forward, I will now call on those opposed to the bylaw to uh, come forward to the speaker's bench uh, if they so wish. Um, that was first call. Second call. And I will now issue third call for those who who are opposed to the bylaw if you wish to speak up on that matter. Either hearing or seeing anyone, I will uh, I will now call on any person who is deemed to be affected who wishes to be heard to come forward to the speaker's bench. Um, second call. Third call. Um, I will now um, ask Ms. Modi if she wants to make a concluding statement uh, on her presentation. Seeing that all presentations have been made, I will now declare the public hearing closed at 14 minutes after 5. Thank you. That takes us to the presentation section of our agenda. And the first presentation is for the Government, government Finance Officers of Alberta Award. Mr. Parker, I understand you're leading this discussion, right? Thank you very much, Your Worship. Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Council and the audience. It's amazing. So many people came out to see uh, our award uh, being uh, handed out. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Government Finance Officers Association, GFOA, is a major professional uh, association serving the needs of more than 19,000 appointed, elected, local, state, or provincial level government officials and other finance um, pr uh, practitioners. Awards recipients have uh, uh, pioneered efforts to improve the quality of budgeting and provide an excellent example for other municipalities throughout North America. This reward, or this uh, award uh, represents a significant achievement by the town of Peace River. It reflects the commitment of uh, this governing body and staff to meet the highest principles of government budgeting. In order to receive the budget reward um, award, the town of Peace River has to satisfy nationally recognized guidelines for effective budget presentation. These guidelines are designed to assess how well a municipality budget serves as a policy document, a financial plan, a operations guide, and a communication device. There are 1,600 participants that receive this award program. In Alberta, there's 11. Calgary, Edmonton, Lethbridge County, Lethbridge, you can see it's lots of large municipalities have received this award for 2017. The town of Peace River is being the smallest municipality. I'd like to call uh, upon Mr. Town and the full management team to formally come up and accept this reward or this award for their great achievement. I'll show it to everybody. This is uh, hopefully it'll be first of many times. Yeah, I'm on over there. Lots of slots. All right, over here. And oh, Brian, sorry. Oh, sorry.
For council, we haven't had a chance to uh, see this. Award here. Is that marble or quartz? Is this like the curly gold? Yeah, that's where it's the curly gold. Don't drop it. more recent, so I got a feeling that they... It's they, the order of... 
<laughs> in order of age to make these, these, these presentations. See, yours is quite a bit younger. It does look younger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you very much, Cameron, for your last four years, your insightful comments, and it will be very, uh, very sorely missed. Business is the Tri River Triathlon. Pick them out from the crowd. <laughs> Just us. Yeah. I, I was thinking with your purple shirt you were with purple arms. <laughs> Just the triathlon. We have purple shirts for all you guys. Great. Well, uh, Ruth McQuig is lining up your uh, presentation. Uh, perhaps you could just introduce yourselves. Sure. I'm Amy Murphy. I am the current run coordinator, treasurer for the Tri River Triathlon. And I'm Jeremy McIver. Uh, I am um, going to be currently joining the new board for the Tri River Triathlon. And we should probably clarify this for people uh, in Peace River. You're Amy Murphy, Murphy, Murphy DV, DVM, DVM, yeah, as opposed to LLV. Yeah, not a lawyer. Is your presentation? 
discuss uh, where we're currently planning where we're currently planning on taking the triathlon over the next couple of years as well as our funding requests to make the event possible so we put together a quick snapshot of what the triathlon is really all about uh, as our new board came together of looking at where we wanted to really go forward <coughs> with a collection of pictures here over the last couple of years is what really the triathlon has brought to residents uh, of Peace River and the center photo there is really what we want the triathlon to become really all about. It's a really family-centered, family event that focuses on, on athletics, recreation, and using the facilities that the beautiful town of Peace River has to provide a kind of all-encompassing event um, that it allows everyone to partake in. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with the sport of triathlon, the very definition of a triathlete is a person who really doesn't understand that one sport event is hard enough. Um, so a, a triathlon is really amazing. A triathlon takes in three uh, sports and combines them into one. So it's a combination of swimming, biking, and running. Uh, but put all in order, all in succession, and being able to do it as fast as you possibly can. So the reason why we're coming here today is to uh, ask the council uh, we're currently seeking uh, $2,500 for to help go towards the financial support of our 2018 event uh, and also looking to see if it is possible for uh, to make this an annual contribution for the remainder of council's term. Not only the, the reason why we're seeking this is is that in previous years we've had uh, full sponsorship um, from a major corporation that unfortunately down due to economic downturn had to remove their funding from us and we were, the, the Tri-River Association had to rely on some of its contingency funds that it had pooled on. Um, due to that loss of sponsorship, we're still looking for that financial support and that, of the $2,500 uh, to go towards uh, race chip rental, so to have, uh, to ensure that all the athletes that are part of the event have accurate timing. Uh, it is from an outside source that we have to use the, the race chips from, so there's that, the rental fee there. Uh, the finisher medals, 
uh, for anyone that has ever partaken in an event or anyone that is pursuing it for that very first time. Uh, the finisher medal is much more than just the participant medal for anybody that's uh, in, a, in a, a triathlon. It's much more of, of that recognition of something amazing uh, and all about the swag. So that, uh, go towards the t-shirts that you have in front of you. Uh, the great part outside of the race trip rental, uh, the $2,500 that we are seeking, all that money is then uh, redistributed within town. We make sure that we use um, all our local local people uh, through Caribou Cresting, OT Sports, to make sure that we can uh, go towards all of that. Is there money in the community? Um, so the quick overview, um, the great thing of the triathlon so far, it has been currently running in Peace River for over 28 years. So it is an event that has uh, some great roots within the town already. It is a phenomenal beginner race. For any, any of those people that are looking to go beyond um, our local race, it is a, a great opportunity. Uh, it's, it's family oriented, it's low key, it's low stress. So for anybody that's willing to or wanting to go beyond uh, the, the triathlon that we offer uh, to more of a province-wide or a national level, that is great there as well. Um, the great thing about our triathlon is that we have people or entrants coming in from all over Alberta, BC, and Saskatchewan. So the, the tourist draw that we have that really is allowed to show off uh, not only the town to our local residents, but we're able to draw in uh, families from uh, around Alberta, but outside of the province as well. Uh, and it really allows us to showcase the facilities that we have from our local pool, but not only to the beautiful scenery in and around Peace River as well. Uh, and, and really it comes down to uh, providing excellent recreational opportunities to residents, really providing that goal or that forward, that forward goal for people to really strive towards uh, something that they want to do to get in terms of that New Year's resolution of, hey, this year's going to be the year that I swim, this year's going to be the year that I run. That healthy lifestyle. That healthy lifestyle. So knowing that, um, one of the things that the new board is wanting to, to move towards is we understand that uh, for the past 28 years, um, the, the triathlon has only offered one style of race. And that one style of race is the sprint. So a traditional sprint includes 750 meters of swimming, exiting the pool as fast as you possibly can, getting on your bike, doing two loops around town of 20 kilometers, and then running five kilometers at the end. Uh, which is a, a pretty amazing feat for a lot of people. But what we want to be able to do is to be able to encourage more people to come out. We want to expand the, the race formats that we have. So we're looking at extending it to an aquathon, which is just simply the swim and then a bike and no running. So those that might have bad knees or just simply not want to run, it ends there. Uh, a duelathon where we do not have to swim, we're just biking and then running. So for those that are really kind of apprehensive of that swim part, uh, maybe that is the race for them. And then finally, the try-try distance, and this is twofold. One, it allows people to really get into the sport of triathlon with a very shortened distance, 300 meters of swimming, 10 kilometers of biking, and a 2.5 kilometer run. It also allows us under the Alberta Triathlon Association to offer it to 14 year olds. Uh, and that's where we really want our event to be going, is opening it up to a wider range uh, of, of people within town and, and, uh, and across the area. Uh, this is also a trend that's happening, happening within the sport of triathlons, is that there is the, the trend to move towards uh, attracting more youth. Um, we're also looking towards next year, uh, in 2019, uh, due to listening to what the current community's been asking 
is that there's a real kind of push or a current talk within the town of providing a kids of steel event and this would go along with our on the same day of our triathlon and the kids of steel event is a race that's designed from as young as five years old but we were going to target from 10 years old and up so in 2019 really extending it out to uh, multiple multiple ages to really make it like that center picture showed us of for all families so that it's not only dad racing or mom racing it's dad mom grandma grandpa little kid granddaughters that they're all out there being able to really race and partake in, partake in into it and so that would really allow our trap on to become that kind of entire family event um, which i think is that ultimate move of what we want to be able to to go towards uh, I'm going to turn it over to Amy um, because there's one more part to to this. This is just something I would like council to consider and that would be a one-time purchase of an inflatable or aluminum uh, based finish line. Picture the town logo on it used upon multiple events. Um, we have the heritage run the triathlon misery miles is really taking off and maybe if we had something like this in the town for race organizations maybe we'll get more events maybe more people will be excited and when we did have the corporate sponsor we had a nice big finish line like that and everybody after the race got in front of it took pictures so it would really help the events i think and make them look more professional and just really pop show up in pictures across Western Canada. And yeah, I can see the town of Peace River logo on that thing. <laughs> so that's just for consideration. We've priced them out and they aren't cheap. They, the inflatables run around $3,000 US dollars. Um, the full banner and aluminum support is around the same price. We were thinking potentially banner only with the town logo and a finish sign on it and potentially finding somebody locally to build us a support, but that's just more of an add-on and we'd like you guys to potentially consider that for the future. Thank you. So that, that is the, the Tri-River Triathlon Association. Oh, there it goes, possibly. <laughs> I actually have uh, two questions for you. Um, you had mentioned the triathlon here in Peace River has been running for 28 years. Do you have any stats on 2016-27 uh, participation? Typically we run between 65 and 95 participants depending on the year. Okay. I think in, our highest since we've been involved has been 92. Okay. And in 2018 with the change of format and allowing going down to the 14 year olds, what do you anticipate for participation this year? Well, our, this past year was one of our lower participation years, so that's one of the reasons we're looking at expanding the event and trying to get more advertising in the community and upping it. So we hope we'll have significantly more, but we don't know. And my last question is in regards to your inflatable there, you showed, showed a price of $3,000. Have you actually spoken to the other race organizations in town about doing a We've spoken like to the Heritage Run and they would certainly be interested in using that. We have not approached the Organization Committee for Misery Miles. Thank you. Any other questions? Uh, of those participants, how many do you um, uh, think, believe are from out of town? 
Yeah, Eric. Yes. Um, this year we had about sixty. This is Adrian Moffat. She's the race director currently. Um, we had um, about sixty-four participants last year, and at least half of them were out of town. So. Um, we were limited by the, the, the number of participants in the pool, um, so that's the 90 is kind of the maximum. Um, but yeah, last year, like Amy said, we, we were pretty low on numbers, but it was actually the internal, the town, that was less. And I think it was just a poor weekend. Lots of people were away. So uh, the, the national triathlon is usually two weeks after you were triathlon and people you just do you get quite a few participants because this is a uh, sort of a warm-up competition for the nationals ours is actually at quite at the far down. end of the season yeah okay um where there's only maybe another three weeks after ours that where there's yeah it's it's really more um like was mentioned just the beginning kind of race so. this um the, the way that the triathlon uh, kind of season works, this is a, a perfect end of year race uh, because it's coming to the end of August. Uh, it's really a lot of people's kind of cool down uh, time before they go into kind of their off season. Um, so when we look at what events are being offered uh, for triathlons across Alberta, uh, the one in Peace River is typically, uh, was typically the only race near the end of the season up until last year when uh, Grand Prairie also Saskatchewan. We typically have at least four or five from Saskatchewan and a handful from BC. Um, Chatwin is a really popular area for triathlons and it's easy traveling distance. So they have like a club and often we would have the whole club come or from Fort St. John, a lot of people from Fort St. John. Um, how many people are in your organizing group or however you would count that? There's about five or six on the new board and then kind of the support crew from last year. Any further questions? Just uh, an observation to the triathlon group. I believe the Mighty Peace Tourist Association is in the audience tonight. So uh, <laughs> thinking of your event late September, have you done any marketing with Mighty Peace Tourist Association or other, how do you, how do you expand that number? For, for advertising? Um, yeah, so that's definitely one of the things we're going to look at this year. Um, previous advertisements we've relied on, um, there, so the sanctioning of the triathlon happens with the Alberta Triathlon Association. That's how we get our, our insurance. Um, so they have a big website that advertises to all everywhere. So we go on that, so our race is on that and a description of all of basically the distance. Um, we have a Facebook page. Um, the Pomeroy used to be our sponsorship, so they had their own website. So, so then, so they had us on there, and we, it was a whole race series. So there's five or six races. So we kind of all went in between them. Um, so yeah, definitely we're kind of in transition with advertising, but that's one of the things we're going to focus on this year. 
is from the Wayne Peace Tourism Association. And I understand Jenna Armstrong. job was working for the World Triathlon Series in Edmonton, so that was that. <laughs> you can actually read it. But I've never done a triathlon. <laughs> I used to run operations and it was a 24-hour job, so there was no time to train. <laughs> I use our Thank you. 
and um, it's got a really good feedback this year. We've had them in um, all the visitor centers in Alberta and some in BC and then Saskatchewan. And then we also have them in any kind of tourism hotspots like the hotels and stuff. And we've actually got lots of people asking for uh, refills, which was kind of cool. So we can get that with the visitor guide. Uh, the regional marketing campaign. So what we can do is we work with um, Travel Alberta and they'll do a 50-50 on the cost if they approve our marketing campaign. So it has to be a cooperative, so you have to work with partners. So um, we are really working on the regional one. So the pictures was one, but there was I think nine municipalities together that paid into it, doubled it by Travel Alberta and came up with all these assets. And so we always want to try to work on one big regional project and then asset development. So undertaking um, an a regional asset development strategy to provide images and videos of the region. So product development. Um, My Peace Tourism will take a, a leadership role in promoting tourism investment opportunities in the region. So something we don't do is actually develop products, but we, um, we look at helping. So. Uh, we're looking for to develop a list of tourism business opportunities to share with regional economic organizations and officers. Um, a workshop, so one of the workshops we're trying to um, do in 2018 is work with Alberta Culture and Tourism and they'll do uh, present tourism entrepreneurial workshops to promote business opportunities and build capacity in the region. So it works with anyone that might be interested in tourism or anyone that's in the tourism business to um, show them how to maybe enhance their business or grow. And then member communication. So the Mighty Peace Tourism Association will enhance communication with stakeholders to ensure member retention and provide opportunities for members to interact and collaborate. So member benefits, um, establishing a policy regarding membership levels and corresponding benefits. So just always evaluating what those benefits are. Things change. <laughs> Cost-effective advertising. This is a lot to do with cooperative marketing campaigns or how we can get partners together to um, cut back on some costs. We're working on um, doing 2018 e-newsletters. I think they were done a while back, but we're trying to bring them back just to keep everybody in the loop. And um, new this year will be the members librarian. So creating a space for networking, communication, um, member info, shared like content, so written photo and video that you guys can all use as well as um, us and then having networking events to get together a little bit more and learn about each other's operations. The web area is really nice for, um, because we travel such a big distance, we have from Madding to Spirit River. And so it's nice to be able to maybe have some kind of online communications that people can find out what's going on around the region without actually having to drive and travel to a meeting. And partnerships and capacity building. So that includes, um, uh, strengthening, our, sorry, strengthening our regional identity and our brand. So member board and staff training and attendance at industry conferences are also critical aspects of building capacity with the tourism industry. So going to conferences around um, the province, um, we do a 12-month action plan and marketing plan at our board meetings. We have a strategic plan, um, kind of placemat that we just check in and make sure that I'm on track and we're all still okay with the way we decided to go. And um, another thing we talked about the last strategic plan is working on a regional tourism group. So being able to work with the administration staff um, instead of just the councillors and um, working with the then from each town 
um, and county and seeing if you know they see a different side of things so um, sharing information between those guys as well so what's next um, so go many peace our go many peace campaign was uh, launched three years ago travel but will only fund us for three years before we need to make a change so phase one um, some of you guys might remember uh, that it, when it was uh, brought up but it was advertising um, through Move Up magazine and the focus at that point was to uh, advertise within a 250 kilometer radius and we're finding you know that's great it has 12,000 copies out there but um, we're with everyone kind of getting to that digital age you don't really need us to advertise within a 250 kilometer radius we're better off you know stepping that up and going to the next level so phase two is kind of what we're missing and we will be sending out a proposal in January to start the project in May so you guys will get that and um, but it's creating more regional content so we're, we're very low on any videos we have some great photos but we have very little with people in them um, so <laughs> you know I'm trying to see the activities you can do the landscapes are gorgeous but you know you need to kind of see what to do in those landscapes um, and written content we don't have those top 10 lists or places to check out itineraries um, and how we're going to do this is through looking at local ambassadors those people that really know our area and are passionate about where they live um, and our focus will be more on rubber tire traffic we're not quite a destination yet but we're also a place that people like to drive through to go to Northwest Territories and come close enough to to go to um, Alaska so how do we draw those people and really target market them and get them to come and spend money here for a few days and see what we have to offer to maybe come back again so that's um, the next project and you'll get more details on that coming up uh, increased communication is something that I was also talking about with the website and more um, admin staff and I was also I'm gonna start making more meetings to sit down with the CAOs and just talk and see you know more of your point of view and workshops we want to do the entrepreneurial workshop as well as a visitor-friendly Alberta workshop you guys did a study in 2011 and I'm not sure if anyone remembers it but it was a visitor friendly piece of and it started with your signage and does anyone remember is anyone around okay so it's 80 page it's an 80 page document that was done and it's very interesting but um, just working with the communities and making sure you guys are seeing it from a, a visitor point of view and these are yeah workshops that we're trying to host and um the board of directors subcommittees will be starting up so i work alone um there's a lot to do so we can't afford to hire anyone else. So we um, would like to have subcommittees created starting in January to work with some funding opportunities, um, some marketing ideas, and just working with operations. Nothing big, not a lot of duties, but just having some extra voices around that it's not always just at our, our board meetings. All right, so in conclusion, um, I do have a video I wanna show, which is a quick video. Um, tourism in Alberta is an $8.3 billion industry in Alberta. It's created 127,000 jobs, 19,000 businesses, and has 34.7 million visits. And Northern Alberta comes to, it's 6% of that, but it's still a large number. So I'll just quickly show you this. And then if you guys have any questions after.
So I just wanted to show that just to show the other side of tourism because a lot of people think, oh, we don't have mountains and lakes and, you know, Banff and Jasper. But <laughs> there's a lot more to tourism than that. And I think people just sometimes need to be uh, reminded about it. You, you should tell them to come up and film a piece of Rapala and get a little more color in there. Oh, they uh, it actually, um, <laughs> the next one. Oh, okay. But I'm not trying to put that one. Um, the, if you actually watch their, their promo videos, yeah. they, have, they have a different powwow, but they came up this summer and did the river. So they have a whole video that will come out. We saw it at the oh, conference, but it's oh, yeah. coming out in the summer about um, canoeing the river, and it's beautiful, and camping, and the, yeah, stunning up here. So do you have your strategic plan Put together already or not? We do. We did it in March last year. And can you share some of some of the major objectives of the plan? Okay, so well, I don't have. That's what um, so what I went through was our strategic plan. But those are like the five. Um, let's go back. So our core operations. These are from our strategic plan. So I pulled all these out. And then it's just based on um, per year what we decided to do in 2017, 2018, 2019. So you have action plans behind each of those? Yes, we do. And I have a copy of it that you guys will have. I sent an electric version mm -hmm. to Ruth. So, okay, it's attached, yeah. So I have all that. And then if you go to the bottom, we'll say um, all the, the dates. So it's actually a feasible plan for one person. Um, so what, um, do you have, do you have numbers, hard numbers, like, uh, are you trying to grow the number of tourists by 5% and... We, we do, so with the hard, what we've done in the past with our, um, cooperative marketing campaigns is we have to record our ROI for travel Alberta to get the funding. Okay. So we record it on, based on events or hotels or bed and breakfast or however we, we decide to measure it. But yeah, we do, and we, every year we have a growth of what we're looking for through our campaigns. So it's not for the whole region because it's really hard to do for up here, but we do, um, like all the rodeos get measured, all of the golf courses get measured, and yeah, stuff like that. So we do, and I do have all that from all the previous years of what we can measure. And um, pond hockey is another one, playing Grimshaw. Just very quickly, so the destination marketing fund. So, what was the reaction of the local hotel industry when you said we would like X? I'm not sure what the X is, but is it five dollars per? I'm just picking a number here. It's one percent of their fee. One percent. Yeah, it depends on their fee. So it's a volunteer program, basically. A high level does it, Grand Prairie does it. We we find that it works almost better as a, a town doing it or a city doing it. But as a region, it's very difficult because if someone in Fairview pulls out, someone in Peace River might pull out and it's hard to manage. We're seeing if it is feasible this year because it's really a way to bring an income. I think Grand Prairie gets 30, at least, well, they use 30,000 of it a year for marketing. That's, it's a lot of money you can pull out from it. Um, and it just goes into another bank account, it has to be approved by the board of what they're going to do with it. But you have to get everyone on board. The moment it's not managed properly, someone drops out, everyone drops. And so it's, how to be done 
I don't want to occupy the microphone, but just quickly, Your Worship. So, how do the funds funds flow back to the tourist association from a local one of the fifty? You said you've got fifty operators. They're not all hotel operators, obviously, but of the half a dozen that are in town, how do those funds flow back into your association? They pay a membership fee. So a yearly membership fee. And there's three levels. So it's like a friend of triathlon. Uh, triathlon. <laughs> I had a friend of triathlon program. <laughs> a friend of my tourism, which is like uh, individuals that just want to be a part of it. Um, they don't really get much, but they just want to be associated. And 250 is the next level, and that's where most people are at. And then we have a $500, and they just have different benefits. So it's all on our website of what we do for them. Just one thing I'd like to point out, I, I think tourism is one of the overlooked opportunities in Alberta for growth. Um, as a matter of perspective, and I think this is a surprising figure for a lot of people, agriculture in 2016 was 1.6% of the Alberta economy. Tourism was 5.1%, or almost three times greater than agriculture as its contribution to the Alberta economy. And it's one of the areas where in a lot of areas there is a really growth potential. Mm -hmm that I think has been drastically overlooked. So I'd like to thank you for the work you're doing on that behalf. I'd like to increase the awareness of that. I think that's the biggest thing is increasing awareness in this region. It's a lot of Alberta already understands what tourism is, but I find up north people um, just don't see it. And I, I moved away for 15 years and came back and I, I saw it differently when I moved back up north and saw all the opportunities we had up here. When you grow up in a place like this, you actually, you take it for granted and you don't really realize what we have until you move away and you, you miss it. I just want to go back to the DFM uh, destination or DMF destination marketing fee. That, is that that's different than the one percent tourism that we, we see in our on our cal bill? You know that's the same thing, but you won't see it in this region because we don't have it. Yeah. But yeah, you see it everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but what happens is that we have to go out as a municipality and and get all the hotels to buy, basically yeah. buy on it into the program. Yeah. And if you approach <coughs> hotels, we talked about at our board meeting in DJ Motel, it was, you know, they're like, oh, well, we're DJ Motel in Grimshaw, but we don't really have a lot of tourism. And then we talked to them about it, and they, and just explaining it properly to them, they're like, oh, well, I, I would love that. The more visitors we can get to the area, the more I actually might benefit from it. So that 1% to me isn't actually a big deal. It's just how you word it and talk to people. So it's something we really want to work on this year. Uh, it's just we do need a subcommittee to head it and see the interest to see if we can actually get it rolling. And then if we can't as a region, we would suggest that Peace River try it. Right. Oh, okay. So, so you're going to try a regional approach yeah. first? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just, so you're going to spear at it? Or? We're going to try and <laughs> see how it works. But, okay. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. And where, where do you see the tourism uh, opportunities for this region? I, the biggest thing that I would like to see is we don't have enough. We have all this like, land and we have, we have these opportunities to own ATVs, right? And dirt bikes and boats and stuff. But there's nothing that not a lot of people have that product to actually rent out. And that's something we're really missing. That's something that people actually do want and look for. But we don't have it so that's something i'd really like to see is 
pushing for, um, that's why we're looking at the entrepreneurial workshop to see if someone might be interested in looking at these opportunities. So when we go through that, we'll have all the, um, a list of this is what would sell up north and see if we can get some people to um, jump on board with that. But that's, we do, like, we do have some great, we, we have a lot of potential. We're just missing that product right now. Okay, so, uh, so rental, what any other product? Uh, guiding. That's another big one. Um, and uh, the big thing is Aboriginal culture right now. Huge. Like, people want to come up, up and find out about Aboriginal culture. So we've been working a little bit with Duncan First Nature's Nations and Lubicon Band and how we can maybe integrate them into maybe uh, Peace Cabins Backdoors or another business that's already in operation and then get a guide to come out there and do guiding. That's, yeah, that's a big thing up here too is we're missing those guides and those interpreters that would, you know, with history and the museum and Peace River does a good job because they actually do tours, but you're the only one in the region that actually does tours. Okay. I understand Vermilion Chutes is the largest <laughs> One of the widest waterfall in all of North America. We haven't exploited that. Very much. <laughs> well, we're not part of Vermilion's not with us. Oh, yeah. it's not part of our region. No, we go um, northern Sunrise County and northern well, we're Lights County. Airport. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, our northern lights is huge. We have, and the people have a little bit more light pollution, but you go a little further out, we have really great dark skies. Um, but you kind of need that guide to take someone up to do those experiences. And they're, you know, nature, but we don't have those guides to actually host things like that. And we have one rep on your committee? Or? Yes. Okay. And who is that? It's Greg, I think. Yeah. yeah. Which we had our meeting oh, we, and he was. We wasn't. don't have a counselor on it. It was okay. Rod. <laughs> so. so, Greg Town is going to be uh, yes. the town rep, okay? Yeah, we had our first um, meeting. I think the day before, the same day that you guys picked who was on the board, so he missed a meeting. So, Mr. Mayor, um, so these entrepreneurial um, workshops, you would somehow try and entice present business owners or whoever might be interested, and is the help with financing of, say, ATV rentals, is that part of the workshop? that the financial aspect would be looked at in terms of setting up the business, perhaps? Uh, yeah, if we if we can, we usually try to bring in like like a community futures, and then this is Central Alberta Culture and Tourism, so it's their workshop, so we host it, but yeah, we try to bring in um, economic development officers, community futures, and usually bring in a bank, and just, yeah, help out with those, those opportunities as well. Thank you very much. Um, the next presentation will be by Mark Boychuk, Homelessness Support. Mr. Boychuk, if you would like to come forward. Good evening, Council. I'm uh, Mark Boychuk, and I'm here to speak on the behalf of the homeless at Peace River. Um, I am by no means an expert on homeless. And, uh, the more I research it and the more I find out, it, I feel like a, a person attacking an iceberg with a, a plastic spoon. It, it, it's a massive problem, but 
Um, I'd like to say a little bit of the reason why I'm involved. When I was uh, 18, I was involved in the streets of Vancouver, and uh, I've experienced uh, the good, the bad, the ugly of homeless down there. And there's one um, one story that really sticks to my mind. It was a, a young 15-year-old girl who had no place to stay. And a friend of mine was staying in a shelter, and she was willing to offer the only thing that she had uh, available to her for a warm place to stay for the night. And uh, I will never forget that image of her, um, you know, curled up on that bed, just dead to the world, because she was exhausted. And uh, also my, my grandfather had died on the streets of um, Regina as a homeless person. So that's kind of a little history of why it really touches my heart. And I'm highly motivated to to work to solving and doing what I can as a, as a member of our community to work towards that. Um, often at the community level and the organizational level, we see uh, a lot of disconnect and results end up being in inaction. It's not my job, it's, it's not the RCMP's job for certain things, it's not EMS's job for certain things and, and so forth. And we as community members, we must look within and act together to get this job done. Without alignment to a effective strategy, communicate community plan and the supporting resources to implement it, we see a diffusion of responsibility and a lack of accountability that happens. We must also understand that due to the diversity of needs of a one-size-fit-all uh, solution, it's not possible. There are many pathways to homeless and we must come up with a variety of pathways to lead it back out. Um, we must work together to develop a coordinated partnership to respond to the homelessness issue that we have. In the documents that I've sent before you, I've listed some suggestions from the several reports and committees I've been researching that uh, can help us do this. We know the answers and we have the solutions and now all we need to do is make it happen. I'd like to encourage the development of local systems of care to help focus on providing coordinated support for our citizens of our town and our town council to take lead on this. Of the many reports I've read, there are several key cities mentioned in the work they have done, and I look forward to the future reports of Peace River being a role model in the things that we have done for our citizens and our homeless. Uh, that's all of the time that I'm gonna take out from you guys. Um, I'd really like to thank uh, Tanya Bell for the support and insight she's given me, Warren <coughs> Ford, how he's reached out, and, and Joanna as well and Chris and Ruth and their help, so thank you. So Mark, first of all, just so that the rest of the council knows, uh, Mark and I ran into each other the other day in the grocery store and we had quite the, uh, quite the nice conversation. So I'm seeing two presentations coming on today talking about homelessness on the agenda this evening. So have you been talking with the Purple Room uh, organization and are you involved with them in in any way yeah I have uh, talked and we're kind of coordinating our efforts um, you know I see that they're after the housing first aspect and so I took on the role of um, getting a, a systematic approach and a community involvement approach because in the reports that I've read from raise the roof the homeless hub and many other ones there's several key factors that need to be taken and housing first is, is the top priority 
and uh, the community involvement and the getting all the resources together is the second priority. So <coughs> I, I like to work at that aspect and, and assist Purple Rung in any way that I can to, to help them in their efforts as well. So you're, you're sitting on the board and all the studies and the information you're getting is being forwarded on to that group? Uh, no, I'm not sitting on the board with them. But you are having the discussions with them as far as all the information you found out? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, We're sharing our information back and forth and working together in that way. Um, so, Mr. Boychuk, um, you mentioned um, sort of a, a local systems, a core group of uh, different programs approach. Have you had an opportunity to talk to others than, I guess, Purple Rung you said you talked to, but other ones? Yes, might... I've uh, been in contact with ADAC, uh, Mental Health, um, the RCMP, um, EMS, uh, the Media Association, the Sagatawa Friendship Center, um, I have not talked with the Women's Shelter. There's there's many people that we can bring on this board, to, or this focus group that I like to call it, to just get together and, and start solving issues that we can today. You know, community, um, business owners, they have a lot of concerns that, that they could bring forward some ideas and solutions as well. So I can increase my understanding, Mark, is what you're looking for um, assistance from the town and you talk about all the other agencies, um, North Peace Housing for Housing, for example, um, ADAC, etc., um, Purple Run and whatever. From what I am understanding from what you're saying, there isn't really a lot of coordination between them right now. Is, is that a, an accurate statement? As, as far as I understand, I, I do admit I'm brand new and I've been, right. I'm communicating with Tanya as well as what community service is doing. She knows way more on that, but I do know that um, we are not that well coordinated as far as with, with a lot of the other resources in, in the city of Calgary has come up with a, a one system approach where the homeless, they, they meet with one person, a file's developed and all the other agencies have access to that. So they don't have to keep repeating their story over and over again to different agencies involved. That it, it's there and, and the help that they need is, is in a file and what they've done and what they need to do is there for them. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't asked, just to be clear, I wasn't asking that question in any kind of negative no, no, statement to anybody who's working in this area, but um, if, if we're going to assist, it, it helps us to have clarity on what you're looking for. And what I'm kind of envisioning from everything I'm looking at is that the town could be either through community services or in concert with some of the other organizations could bring, could assist in bringing, we're not experts in homelessness. We aren't. And we probably never will be. And our, and our job is to basically assist things that are occurring or set up policies that assist. And is that kind of what you're looking for the role of the town to be to assist in maybe helping to bring those organizations together to so the communications improve? Is that well, exactly, because as, as myself as a citizen, it's pretty hard to ask EMS to justify overtime or, or funding to sit on a committee, you know, whereas it comes from the town, you guys have the resources, you have the, some very smart people sitting on council and in community service that are already doing work. So, you know, I'm willing, I told Tanya, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, do anything that I need to do to contact these people, get them together, facilitate it along that line. But I'd like the town to lead that initiative and uh, you know and work with those resources. 
questions. This, is this something that, like, currently there's the, the, the RCMP Community Advisory Committee and a lot of groups like RCMP and EMS are already meeting as a committee with that and perhaps, and, and groups that already have permission to use overtime and funds for attending that meeting perhaps that would be something that could be added to that, you know, agenda as well, just, just to start. You know, somewhere to, to, to get going from, I suppose to say, strike a whole something brand new, at least have somewhere to begin with it. Yeah, sure. Like, like I said, uh, my what I envision is just a half day or a one day workshop with all these groups together. We list out every concern that we can, we work on every solution that we can, and then the things that we need to do from that point forward, we go forward and make action plans, have accountability, and, and keep moving forward to. Maybe meet uh, every couple months. I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm just bringing this idea forward and willing to research it and find out what Calgary is doing and and all that other stuff. But you know, uh, the support we had last night at our little candlelight vigil for you know almost 40 people with the roads the way they were. I uh, had probably another 40 people contact me saying they could not make it due to the road conditions and stuff like that. And you know, and the people that didn't contact me. So that. The support is huge right now and the momentum is there. We've got uh, funding offering from the gov federal government. You know, if we get ahead of the game, we can probably be the, one of the first people to grab at that and, and start working at solutions because all the reports that I've read, there's no small community working towards it. It's all major cities, Lethbridge, Edison Hat, Calgary, Edmonton. You know, I'd like to see a small little community take that initiative and uh, start working on that. And, and why not be sure of her? I will ask uh, Purple Run to uh, come forward and make their presentation uh, on. Actually, this is on their development application. I understand. Good evening, Council. Uh, thank you for uh, hearing us again uh, and meeting and seeing us again. Uh, we're here. Uh, my name is Bill Sheets. I'm one of the directors of uh, uh, Purple Rung, and this is uh, Trudy Plager and Brent Taylor, also directors of Purple Rung. Uh, we have uh, put in an application to amend the, the land use bylaw. Uh, I just want to bring you up to date a little bit since our last meeting, since last time we sat down with you, of some of the things that Purple Rung has been doing and and uh, and and why we're here again. Uh, certainly, we received some money from FCSS as a grant uh, to improve uh, uh, to find out more about homelessness and to improve the uh, or increase the community awareness of, of homelessness and and to um, uh, collect information. Uh, on, on what the scale of the problem might be in, in Bay River. Um, to that end, we've done uh, we've attended the Alberta Rural Development Network uh, uh, conference. The conference or symposium? Uh, it was a seminar. I a seminar. It was a one day event. Uh, it was an excellent opportunity to network with other agencies that uh, that uh, are like minded uh, to alleviate homelessness. Uh, through that, we are, were able to uh, contact uh, uh, and make connection with Christy, Krista Lofton, who uh, uh, was the director and writer of, uh, of um, Us and Them, a, a movie of 
some acclaim, I'm going to suggest, uh, around the topic of homelessness. Um, she was present for viewing of that on November 5th here in the Peace River, uh, where we had in excess of 100, 110, 120 people attend the, the viewing. Uh, and uh, we had a Q&A afterwards uh, and, uh, and a brief presentation. Um, uh, this, I'm going to say it was extremely well received. The, the numbers we've, we had in Peace River here eclipsed numbers they were seeing in Red Deer, Calgary, Lethbridge, and other places in the province where they also showed the movie. So I think that we, we really, uh, um, it, it, I think it demonstrated a community interest in, the, in, in finding a solution for the problem. Uh, also, uh, we've engaged in a agency uh, survey on uh, homelessness and um, underhoused individuals. Uh, the uh, the details of which uh, we can present to you on another time. I don't think there's time for it uh, at this particular juncture. But uh, to just give you a brief outline of what it was, uh, 96. Uh, 96 responses or 96 individuals, uh, uh, sorry, 90 individuals um, that were affected uh, by underhousing or homelessness. 18 of which uh, were um, of the category that we would describe as living rough, meaning with no no bed that night. That idea. Okay, so so the the numbers. Uh, are more than zero, I guess is the first thing to say, right? That, that uh, the problem exists uh, and, the, and the, uh, the answer to those problems, as mentioned Mr. Boychuk earlier, that are, are multifaceted and complex. And uh, our, our goal or our hope is to, is to start the process forward. We're only one, one cog in that machine, but we are, uh, I think, part of it. Um, uh, you mentioned last night our candlelight support for uh, uh, for the issue of homelessness last night. Um, it was uh, a small but diverse group, I'm going to suggest, and, and competing into the Grey Cup in Northern Alberta was hard to do, uh, but that's okay. Uh, since posting a video of a little uh, sojourn last night, we've received an excess of uh, 3,300 views online as well. So. Through the use of social media, um, uh, what we're seeing is uh, a more and more engaged um, electorate or you know constituencies here. Uh, people wanting to wanting to help with the problem. People wanting to acknowledge that it's there and are looking for a path or, or a solution or the start of a solution to it. Um, uh, what else? Oh. Uh, in light of uh, last week's uh, National Housing Strategy release, I, I think this is also a, a, an excellent time to, uh, to readdress uh, the need in our community and say, uh, just to echo Mr. Boychuk's sentiment there, that, that this is the time to strike while the iron's hot and, and to say, we're going to be forward on this as a community uh, to try to, uh, to work the problem. Um, we can make the model that others, of other municipalities or towns of our size, uh, are going to adopt. Uh, that would be uh, that would be uh, historic for Peace River. Um, 
in terms of the uh, application to amend the bylaws, by the, man, the land use bylaw, sorry, uh, I wanted to, uh, to note that it's, uh, what's lacking is some appropriate use descriptors and um, to add the, the, uh, those descriptors into the bylaw. Um, uh, shelter, housing models, and really capable suites that will allow and encourage transitional and group supportive living. Uh, I want to be clear here that this is about amending the bylaws, uh, not the total wraparound solution. Okay, we're not that agency or that foundation. We just are not. Uh, but it's the idea of getting them moving forward on the, on the land use, and then allowing for those those. Well, the well, yes, but I think even begin with to, to allow for those for those uh, um, people to bring forward ideas uh, that would fit that land use uh, agreement to the, fit the land use bylaw to address the problem. Okay, so and, and again, there's there's lots of different you know ideas. Group home is one. Uh, you know, uh, transitional shelter, emergency shelter is another. So the idea here is that. Um, there are different models and there are different stages of this and so if we open up the land use bylaws to start to address some of those then we can look at uh, appropriate sites or appropriate uh, um, um, models or, or, or buildings or whatever uh, certainly part of our uh, um, part of our investigation has already asked or people have asked what about buildings already that are here that are not being used or underutilized? Can they be transformed or can they be, you know, uh, changed in some way or just refurbished or some way to to uh, to solve the problem or to work, you know, to solving the problem? Uh, that may well be where we want to go uh, as a town. Uh, so this will allow for that. Um, the reasons in support of this application for amendment, the land use bylaw does not currently support shelters or housing types that are suitable for transitional shelter, supportive housing or temporary relocatable garden suite models. This application seeks these appropriate use descriptors attached along with the existing emergency shelter use to be amended as allowable or discretionary use in all districts submitted there. So you see the list on the, on the second page of the allowed and discretionary use sections. I won't, I won't uh, uh, list them all, or I won't read them all to you. But um, to have emergency shelter uh, now defined as follows. The means of develop, it means a development operated by a government or non-for-profit non organization for the primary purpose of providing temporary emergency accommodation for persons requiring immediate shelter and assistance. This may, this use may include, but is not limited to accessory office function and the provision of related programs and services. Typical uses include a women's shelter and a youth emergency shelter. We want to re-amend the town bylaw used to include the following new uses as well as an expanded, expanding the emergency shelter use into the following districts. So below you see um, uh, some definitions for transitional shelters and supportive housing. Uh, transitional housing development means buildings configured as rental housing developments but operated under program requirements that call for the recirculation of the assisted units to other eligible program recipients at some predetermined future point in time. 
shall be no less than six months. So that's that's housing somebody for six months, moving them forward, and then having that having them move to you know graduate, if you will, to to a more uh, sustainable and more suitable housing. Okay. Supportive housing means housing with no limit in length of stay that is occupied by the target population as defined below and that is linked to on or off-site services that assist the supportive residents in retaining retain the housing, improving his or her health status and maximizing his or her ability to live and when possible work in the community. So again, this is the idea that, you know, we're that definition allows for the next stage in the development of a of a of something more um, long term suitable for uh, alleviating the problem of homelessness. Um, the third one is temporary garden suites. They're uh, relocatable housing or panelized or modular construction of a size less than the than the primary building on the site, which is permitted to occupy for a specific period of time of three years with option to renew. Garden suites may be leased and or subleased by the property owner or property management company for a fee at the discretion of the property owner. Occupants may be family or extended family of the owner with purpose of independent living such as seniors aging in place or youth housing, but is not limited to let to unrelated parties. Property may provide or allow for third party provision of assisted living services. So this is again, like uh, uh, Victoria, I believe has a model that, that utilizes uh, garden suites. Uh, they are temporary. They run. Uh, they're actually put on um, uh, school division properties, if I, if I remember correctly, right? Um, and they're, but they're temporary, and, and people living in them are for a set period of time. Um, our target population uh, means adults with low income having one or more disabilities, including mental illness, uh, INV or AIDS, uh, substance abuse or other chronic health conditions, or individuals eligible for services provided through other social programs. And may, among other populations, include families with children, elderly persons, young adults, aging out of the foster care system, individuals exiting from institutional settings, veterans, homeless people, indigenous, new refugees, and all ethnic groups. So it gives a little uh, a footnote there of where these definitions are coming from or, or how we're crafting them. To be honest with you, it's a it's a clearinghouse list, you know, uh, uh, but it's the start down a path that allows for something to be situated here in in the town that will meet that need. Uh, first of all, of getting people out of the cold that do not have a warm place to stay. Um, Uh, our specific development permits have been denied on two separate occasions, uh, citing the current zoning. And uh, we note that discretion is granted within the law, land use bylaw number 1891, section 4B, uh, that states and is mentioned below there. So I'll let you take the opportunity to read that. Um, it's our position that these conditions would prove true for our intended use cases. and any prop, proposed property. So the idea of unduly interfering with the amenities of the neighborhood or material interference with or affect the use of enjoyment and value of the neighboring property. Uh, we, I think there's a place where, where, where temporary housing or transitional housing 
will will uh, fit those needs or won't unduly interfere with energy as the stated in that uh, uh, bylaw. Accordingly, please consider that the Municipal Planning Commission may approve an application for a development permit notwithstanding that the proposed development does not comply with the land use bylaw if the Commission shares our opinion. So we mentioned the Commission uh, members there. Um, we're here with the, the amendment uh, in the hopes to move this process forward. Uh, I, I do uh, like what uh, Mr. Boychek is talking about uh, in terms of the problem being bigger than any one organization and that a task force or something of that nature that wants to, uh, to uh, examine uh, a strategy to move forward, uh, we, would, we would absolutely invite that and, uh, and would, uh, uh, would lend any resources we could to, to help the further that along, as limited as they are. <laughs> Um, anything we want to add? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two things. Uh, one is um, Purple Run, I believe, is, has been a little bit misunderstood and we haven't been clear. Um, we do not want to duplicate or, 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 or get involved in, in, in the full wraparound service. We want to simply offer a place. We want to be an extension or a tool in a toolbox of the existing uh, agencies that that deal with uh, with the, this target market. Um, I, I guess to illustrate um, where after the, the, the two week or three week uh, stay is over in an emergency shelter, where does one go? Um, want to say well maybe the same caseworker the same people involved can say yeah we have a place uh, purple rum would simply be an extension uh, not doing the intake not doing the, the, anything but basically provide as a landlord with uh, purpose purpose built uh, structures in these different types of, uh, of uh, different different types of uh, models so that's the second thing is um, that we do not look for future funding uh, or for funding on any of this. Um, our model is such that we will survive on ultra affordable rents from the unit. If we take those uh, the models that we've, we've shown uh, and, and pick a number, 300 that's between a half and a third of the least possible rent uh, in, in our community. Um, that's the gap. That's the gap that we're trying to fill with these places. And when we, when we put it out there, um, we want to maintain as a landlord, take no further liability, um, and, and allow these uh, agencies to, to, to lease and operate these things. And with and not be subject to our funding running out um, or, or failing because those ultra affordable rents will keep coming throughout the life of those assets. 
only funding we would look to, capital asset itself, which hits the ground immediately. And, and that's more or less in, in, in the 30,000 feet or model. Um, regarding this application, we've stripped it um, uh, of, of any specific site. Uh, we've stripped it of any specific agency. Uh, simply stated, we want to look at isolated to the matter of zoning. There is no zoning for a lot of these models and in anticipation of national housing strategy uh, so much funding is going to land on us from federal and provincial and we can be in a, in a place where we can really take advantage of that and show this model uh, and, and be that extension um, for the agencies that exist without duplication. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> We don't invite any questions in from council. <laughs> Mr. Ford with uh, Mr. Stamhorn Park. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So I think there we go. Ultra low risk. So the last time we met was approximately what about a year ago? About a year ago. Yeah. Okay. So being that the two groups are tied together, I really, really uh, like Mr. Boychuk's approach to this issue. Um, now I'm going to refer to your your presentation and I don't have a page number but it says sheet it's at the bottom of sheet one of three so sheet two of three on your <coughs> presentation okay and it specifically shows lot 13 and lot 14 mm -hmm. um, and I'm assuming that well after the brief dust area you're looking at rezoning to do what you want to do with are, are you're referring to our development permit application? Yes. Um, it's been denied already. Uh, no, no, I, I'm aware of that, but I'm just, I'm looking at the highlighted in red properties on that page. Okay. Is that the area, part of that zoning that we're talking about? Um, for the development application that's been defeated, yes, we were looking to zoning and applied or, or actually a temporary use permit applied that we could put existing or, or, or prototype models of uh, transitional shelters there. Okay. Um, yeah, and that, that copy you're looking at is, uh, is a previous survey of it. So, uh, Alicia has explained to me that that is not available to us here. Alberta, at least not this council, because it's not written into the land use bylaw uh, to, to, to have that mechanism of a temporary use permit, uh, which we had hoped for. So I'm going to ask I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked you about a year ago when we met. Is um, myself in order to them to make a decision on this, I have to have all of the information because I have to be accountable for the entire community. So I'd ask you in regards to a business plan, um, to what you're doing, um, is that business plan ready yet or have you presented this to council or administration? No, um, that business plan, 
Because you speak about, you speak about, you stated um, some about uh, providing these shelters as a landlord and charging X amount of dollars. So I would expect to see that in a business plan. I think as a as we're talking about zoning, um, as a business plan, as a landlord, as a pizza joint operator, I don't think I, talking about the zoning is is appropriate um, to to bring forward plan or projections because for a couple of reasons um, it's not possible um, because it's uh, basically we can't project numbers that are assumptions and we don't we don't have those assumptions or funding uh, we're here simply asking today um, to amend the land use bylaw in light of our denial of the of, of the development we will come with another development permit. Uh, that'll be a separate thing. It may or may not be with Purple Lung. Now, when I say we don't have a business plan to show for Purple Lung, um, that's, that's not to say we don't have a business plan. We have a business model. It's been evolving ever since we came to you the first time. And, and, and the, the vocabulary has changed and, and a lot of I think we need to strip away the, the entity of Purple Lung, the model, the, the, the actual uh, place, uh, location, to get down to the, to, the, to the land use bylaw. Because the thing is, if we can be defeated on, on terms of, of uh, we're a new entity, Purple Lung, on terms of specific property that may be not uh, that uh, palatable. Uh, we we want to strip away the items one at a time and, and take them uh, in isolation. And we're here to say today that there is no appropriate zoning for homelessness, uh, for, for homelessness uh, uh, solutions in Peach River today. and we can come again um, with this or another property and we're very open to suggestions on property by the way um, there's uh, there's other uh, not-for-profits in town that uh, that are, are blessed with uh, the town leasing uh, the properties for a dollar a year or, uh, or, or, or selling I, I think the inventory that you might look just a better place perhaps um, would, would be appropriate but I think it's all moot if we don't have a zone and can I just uh, add sorry Lauren just to add to that just as, as a I don't know for the summary um, this is a this is a hurdle prior to any need for business plan and it, it doesn't require the purple rung put something it requires that there's that there is a, a land use bylaw that will allow for this and then anybody can come forward and tender a, an application with a business plan or whatever right so it's not it's not a you know we well, were we showed you a model we were thinking of a model but the, the land use bylaw change would allow for anybody to come forward with a model any agency or any any group or organization or foundation so this is the this is the the pre-hurdle, if you will, 
to, to getting to the stage of, uh, of, of having a business plan in a mall that would, that would, uh, that would suit the needs of the, of, the, uh, of the scope of the problem, if you will, for sure. Okay. And my second question would be, uh, yeah, my second question would be the FCSS grant. Uh, I think it was what thirty five hundred dollars, if I'm correct, and seven, I think thirty seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. The so there's being there's a study being done with those funds. Thirty eight Um We did undertake a, a community survey by creating a questionnaire using questions that were created using input from what people wanted to know. Um, I don't have a copy of it here, but again, I, I would be happy to do a presentation for council at some future point or work with FCSS to do that. The, the questionnaire was promoted through the interagency inter committees and we received feedback from agencies on behalf of clients that they work with. So the data that came back identified 90 individuals who are somewhere on the spectrum of homelessness. And that means from anywhere from unsheltered, like living rough, being at risk of homeless, or at risk of being homeless. And the numbers, uh, we, the number of, of 18 individuals who have lived rough identifies 18 people who have sometime over the previous year experienced having nowhere to go. So that was the criteria. Uh, and some of those same people also experienced um, being couch surfing or being at risk of homeless. So, so they may have been a third more than one category in the data. The, probably the, the most striking number was 60 individuals at risk of homelessness mm -hmm. and all of those were women and all of them identified dependent children as well so these were people with um for whatever reason at some time <coughs> during the 12 month period prior to the data being collected that they were at imminent risk of of not having a place to be with their families mm -hmm. 44 out of the 90 respondents had um or what we would call hidden homeless who couch surf or make their camping or or staying with relatives but don't actually have their own place that they call home so this so this comes from a questionnaire or does it come this from comes this comes from a questionnaire um that was contributed the data was contributed by agencies in peace river and oh, so it wasn't a it wasn't a public questionnaire, just interagency. Just <laughs> agencies okay. to this point. Would we haven't done a, a point in time count. That's something different that would be actually taken by volunteers to the streets, and I don't know. I I can't project or imagine what the numbers would be from that type of survey. No, that would be something for probably another another year, maybe or. The, I'm still expecting to get more numbers from the agency questionnaire, and I'd like to be able to refine it. And I'm, I'm 
working with FCSS and we'll we'll figure out how to work with the raw data because there's probably lots of individual bits of data that could be correlated that that, that software we're using doesn't have the capability to do yet. I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Part of the questionnaire uh, also addressed the the uh, um, uh, things contributing to that state. Uh, as well, like the insecure uh, monetary sources or, or uh, uh, mental health issues or, or um, uh, medical issues. Uh, part of the survey asks uh, uh, how often they've uh, experienced uh, the need for medical help in the past year as well. So other things like that, it's, it's to drill down to the data or as I, as I looked at it, you know, there's, there's lots there. There's lot, it's, it's pretty rich with, yeah. with detail including uh, factors that, that have prevented people from accessing help and... I'd just be, curi I'd be curious to see those numbers as far as, uh, and mind me, I'm probably getting a little bit off topic here, but like the couch surfing, um, I've heard comments about people have a residence here, but they're not choosing to go home because of whatever the issue may be, just stuff like that. And if that's... Mm -hmm basic to Peace River, what this survey is about, I'd be very interested in seeing the breakdown on that. Mm -hmm. uh, just as a note, um, at the, at the uh, Upper River Rural uh, um, Development Network uh, event, I, I, I saw Chris Parker there, um, we, we learned uh, through, and there were some breakout groups, so, you know, in, in those sessions, sometimes you're, 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 you're you're missing one you want to be in and in another one. But the, the point is that um, uh, a point in time count is very typical of a large urban center. And in cities, um, you can gear up with a lot of volunteers and you can, uh, you can be a lot more effective to find on a, any specific day. And that's what they are, a specific point. Um, and it's dependent on weather, it's dependent on when there are volunteers and, and showing up. And it's dependent on a lot of things, and they're much less effective and, and, and very rare in rural communities or small towns. Uh, they're just, you know, if, uh, for instance, uh, I know of uh, several personalities here. Um, if you sent me for a walk around tonight, I may or may not be able to find them. So it's really not an effective count at all. It's much more. Um, much more uh, appropriate uh, to, to take the information as an agency count because each, each page represents one person and each page is signed by an agency who knows full well this person's um, data and information and commits that to us because um, now we're getting the real good, right? Um, these agencies, they deal with X number of people over a month and, uh, and they're very aware of what's current. Good evening. So thanks to the three of you and the Purple Run Association and Mark and his initiatives, it's, it really speaks to the motivation and the heart of our community, and you know that I'm all about that, right? I'm guessing that between your original request to present to Council and today was where the last permit refusal came, and that's where this is coming from, right? Okay. Okay, so I don't know the process. I mean, since Krista's presentation, I too have been looking up stuff online and 
like Mark said, it's overwhelming. And, you know, my, my work hat also permits me to understand certainly the, some of the circumstances in the community. Um, but I look at this and I'm looking at all the allowed and discretionary areas and I'm going, whoa, this is way over my head. So I'm guessing that there's a whole process that takes place after a request like that, right? Perfect. That's how I'm feeling. Thanks. There was no question. No, the question was there is an observation. The question really wasn't directed this way, it was more directed. Yeah, Bill Sheets is going to give you a skate on that one. Yeah, come on, Bill. Okay, uh, any other questions? Um, so, I'm trying to, so your focus, the Purple Rungs focus, is transitional housing, right? It's Our current focus is on transitional uh, housing. Um, currently, um, we okay, but yeah, we're just talking about current. I I know you want to address the whole homelessness issue, but your focus right now is on transitional housing. That's right, and as a piece of the puzzle, not the whole thing, the right. whole. And so, Mr. Sheets, you spoke about your target. Your target population. I don't know if uh, target population is a politically correct term, but uh, so your so your focus is transitional housing, but your target population is adults with low income having one or more disabilities, including mental illness, INV or AIDS, substance abuse, or other chronic health conditions or individuals eligible for services through other social programs? Yes, um, the target population uh, is one that would be all-encompassing for any of the discretionary uh, uh, land use. But, but you guys have also talked about you, you, you're not in the game of wraparound services. No. So, but the, so I got a couple questions. So, do you think emergency shelters or emergency? We we've got an emergency safety net out there, or not? I want to say, go ahead. Um, uh, emergency shelters are are exactly that. They're a safety net, very temporary in nature, um, and and they're for emergencies. For that, that point in time when, when, when someone is experiencing household violence and, and needs a place or, or whatever, what we're looking at is something between the emergency shelter and the least affordable housing, and I mean the most affordable housing. And, and when we talk about the target population, that's simply suggested as a, um, as a, I guess, a prop for. Or uh, supportive housing, which is the second. We've got three. We've got three separate use um, tiers. tiers that we're that we're looking to have allowed under the uh, under the land use bylaw. Um, the target population is describing the people that would likely uh, require number two, which is supportive housing, which is those wraparound services. And and again, I want to qualify that. We're, we're wanting to, to make these land uses 
understood and, and part of the land use bylaw, we're not looking to set up supportive housing at Purple Run. We're looking to, to set the stage, I guess, for Purple Run and anyone else who wants to come forward with various types of, of housing. For instance, um, putting a footage put in your backyard for your mother-in-law to have independent living and check on her for the next uh, years. That that's not purple run that might be uh, you know an individual but there's no there's no possibility of that to happen right now well i think we we do have a program around secondary suites that sort of thing but uh um, right zone but the um if to me it seems your focus is tra transitional housing um but you're not into the game of wraparound services, if I can use that term, game. Um, but don't you think the focus needs to be on wraparound services? I think this is what Mr. Boychuk was referring to when he says this is uh, this is an iceberg and I only have a, a, a small hammer, ice pick. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm wondering if we're just putting the cart before the horse when it comes to uh, asking about this transitional housing. Because uh, certainly we got a $40, $40 billion announcement and it's going to be spread out over 20 years. I don't see any of that money coming down to the municipality. Uh, the federal government will send it to the provincial government and the provincial government will distribute it to uh, their housing associations because those are the experts in housing. I I would suggest that there needs you, you your group and Mr. Boychuk and and the other other uh, uh, interested individuals uh, should probably uh, make a presentation to Northeast Housing and 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 ask how, how they can open up lines of cooperation. And then once we've, um, I, I think our, uh, our administration is a little concerned about changing the land use bylaw when we, uh, we, we, we're setting up ourselves for failure. And I think I said this last time is, we don't have those wraparound services. I don't think transitional housing is gonna work. Yeah. One thing that we have learned through research is about housing and the housing first model. Uh, the, the, the generally, the general belief is that when, if housing comes first, the wraparound services must be part of that and, or they must follow. But the wraparound services still need the person to be somewhere. So, so transitional housing or any any type of housing it gives the person an address, a place to be found, and that a roof over one's head is still the starting point. And but simply providing a roof over someone's head does not is not enough. And I, it, it, it's well understood that you're absolutely right. Wraparound services are essential. But even before that essential um, piece, a roof, a shelter is first. Well, I know that North Beach Housing has a vacancy rate of 
the supply is there. And yes, the demand is there, but the getting the demand into the supply, that's what's missing. And that's really, what I think, what uh, Mr. Trudeau was speaking of when he made the announcement, the $40 billion announcement tonight. And uh, I think that needs to be the focus and then really, and all that money will be cascaded down to the provincial government. And I know North, North Peace Housing has actually looked at this, this issue and they put forward a budget but they've asked the provincial government to to help them provide uh, uh, shelters for for the homeless, but it does take money, and uh, I'm, I applaud the forty billion dollar commitment from the federal government. But I I don't think that we're going to be we the town of Peace River is going to see that forty billion dollars. It's going to go to the experts, which is the uh, the housing associations that are. Uh, set up across the province and uh, but I think that when there's a cohesive uh, well thought thought out uh, plan I think that you'll find that we'll be there and we'll support it okay. but, but the plan needs to be there can I uh, can I ask a question about um, um, do you think with the Canadian housing initiative the strategy that they're going to require a rezoning of municipalities to allow for these? That's what I said. I said if you get, if if you and Northeast Housing Association can come up with a comprehensive plan, we'll be there and we'll support it. Okay. Because I, I would suggest to you that there's apartment rates in this town, Mr. Sheets, of over twenty percent already here. So why wouldn't you just go to the private market? There's no there's no rezoning required. Why wouldn't I think you need to explore other options? I guess is uh, is my take on this. You're this landing on a particular solution to rezone a parcel to enable something um, is is one option, but there are other options, and the other option is using existing private sector apartment blocks or facilities in this town that have got huge vacancy rates. I think that's where the discussion needs to go. I certainly heard. Mr. Wojcik this evening, I heard yourself, I heard Mr. Taylor, lots of passion in your voice. You guys are obviously committed. I'm very reluctant to land on a, on a land use change to solve a homeless problem. I think there's got to be a lot more discussion and a lot more options talked about and explored uh, before we, we start uh, rezoning parcels of land. I think uh, perhaps uh, if you uh, if you make your presentation, uh, Mr. Boycher can make the presentation to the uh, to the North Beach Housing Foundation, and that could probably be the catalyst for a group discussion. Um, they're really the experts when it comes to housing, at least in this part of the world. Yeah. May I pose a question? Sure. Um, whatever vacancies there are now, um, we do have the figures on what the, what the, what the, what the current rates are. Uh, average $912 for a two-bedroom, I think $748 or something for a studio apartment. Anyway, um, there, there's a huge gap between that and and, uh, and an emergency shelter. And, and when we talk about using existing uh, inventory, about they can't pay 
Um, if it's 10% less uh, than 1,000, then 900, it might as well be 9,000 because that's, there's a gap there. There's a, we, we understand that there's a huge gap in the housing continuum for affordability uh, that doesn't reach this vulnerable uh, persons. And, and so that then by logic requires uh, zoning for something a little bit less than that, which would be a transitional shelter, something less than an apartment with a shared bathroom, uh, rooming house, that sort of thing. So, so what we're saying is there is no zoning appropriate for something less than what's available um, and, and, and more affordable. And, and we're talking about affordable in the range of a, a third to a half. Now, if, if I can finish, yeah. no agency can tackle this problem with inappropriate zones. Uh, you, you can't put, um, at this point, thank you, we can put an emergency shelter. Um, that will fix the problem for two weeks. Now, we need to address the problem of tenure and affordability, and that takes zoning. Right. So you're getting in a group discussion format, and that's really what I'd rather have uh, North Peace Housing uh, Foundation facilitated. That's why I prefer that you make the presentation. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to get into arguments about whether it's $900 a month or whether it's $20. Like, and I understand you need zoning. And, and as I said, is when you, when you develop the comprehensive plan that includes the wraparound services, uh, so we'll be there. We'll, we'll, we're ready to zone if, if the support services are there to, to allow the homeless population to, uh, to get into transitional, transitional housing. It may be a different population we're serving. Okay, we will, uh, that was, pre is that all the presentations, Mr. Parker? That, that is your worship. We'll recess for uh, 10 minutes.
Okay, so use that as my as my as my um, use that as my uh, internet setting options. You so, okay, so I Well, I will email it up to you guys and send it out. Okay. So I'll give you all the time to answer What are you trying to do? I get to okay. And then I have council agendas. So go to our website. Just off our website. Gotcha. If you close this one, I'm going to get you to use the phone. It's a bit more stable. With yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, peaceriver.ca. And we get done early. As it is right now, it's got all the update changes from Lori and you. Yeah. And then you guys can take a look at it. Um, go under council. Okay, so that's where you lay down. And I've been logging in. I don't know what to do. I've been logging in under my now. But you think this is the better? Yeah, this is right. All right. Okay, so so that's not a problem. I can do that. And then she says she's so Because have they been on too long? No. Just well, click on it once. They both indicated that they were always going. Right. And Terry was an eager member. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah, no, I like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how do I bring up that other document? Go down Maybe that means it's just more fancy free and actually Oh, I see. Oh, that's brilliant. Okay, yeah, I do. I like that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. But the problem actually lately is we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Yeah, I know. Because I have Terry's application and he had checked off a bunch of things and we brought it to my board meeting and I was like, oh, what? Let me see. I need to make sure Alicia and Susan get a copy of this. Yeah, I agree. So good. So, yeah, we're all fighting. Exactly. Extremely reasonable. Yeah. And conscious of jurisdiction. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry, I love phrases like extremely reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> but reasonable. <laughs> 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 Yes, I feel like space looks familiar. Yeah. Oh, I think. Oh. 
When somebody makes a request like this,
by Like how Tom didn't even say, hey, we'll send this to the budget sorry. process, or, yeah. or we'll make a decision, we'll let you know later, it's just, okay, thanks, bye. This is me, <laughs> Tanya. Yeah. Um, so I was talking to Lori, for yeah. emailing, actually, yeah. about, about spending some more time on the survey, yeah. and getting some yeah. outside but it, Yeah, so, and that was basically so to I, allow the to do that. And even there, like, what they're, to, you know, okay, the rules are yeah. actually not strictly That's great, because I think you have tons of information so Probably 
something else. But I have a question for every possible answer. And then you can do some correlation and cross-reference. Otherwise, it's just way too and it's Okay, well, I think if any of these comes on board, then we could maybe work over the next few months or so. I know. That's my goal. You pull that in for me. Like you're right, it's a skill set. It is a skill set. Well, I'm really hoping any of these can help the buyers. Because you've got a really great base of info. Well, and and if it's something that works, maybe they're the right organization to do on that kind of community statistics. I don't know if they do that. Or they do. If it has, and when I've worked with NADC, if they, if it has a the application to other municipalities and northern communities, they will get involved. And I think because of the type of subject, this has application in other communities also, right? So it, they typically would get involved at this sort of a higher level. Um, yeah, so we'll see. And if we don't move forward there, we'll find something else. Because I'd love to help get that data. Because I know we I think so. And I, I, I think it's beyond entrepreneurial. Yeah. I think it needs to be a community with someone with somebody with that expertise. And I see it as vital information for our community conversations of where we want to go as a community. Because I think people need to understand the issue. So just the survey can help people to understand. Yeah. And I think the survey itself Absolutely. probably you know, every single question we put yeah. in there had a response to it. Wow. There was nothing left yeah. And that that and it's yeah. and ours was richer than the typical survey yeah. that are done because people said Thanks, well, Elaine, I'd like to just really yeah. like so I just put it all in. Yeah. And people answered it. It's just tremendous. I saw that. A lot of surveys back. No. <laughs> you know, where there's blanks or I don't know. They yeah. literally, I'm not sure. I don't know what I want. Yeah. 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 So that was great that you had that kind of response. Really good. Said something. Yeah. I wondered that. Yeah. So anyway, I'll. Oh. It's good to see you. Okay, we will reconvene so that we can get out of here at a decent hour. <clears throat> or have we passed the decent hours? We're into the undecent hours. Uh, yeah. um, that takes us to, we should be at bylaws now. There's a request for a decision regarding bylaw 2014, which is an amendment of the land use bylaw 1891. And this is our uh, beer, wine, spirits, and liqueurs amendment. Please, Ms. Modi, maybe uh, uh, just summarize it briefly for us. We should have got it, but... This will be, you're asking for second reading 
and it's either second reading as per the original, the first read, or we ask first reading, or second reading with the uh, the minor amendments that that we had requested, or a number of councillors had requested last time. That's right. So there's potentially there's one of two bylaws before you. There's the bylaw that was brought forward at first reading, or there is a bylaw that changes the use or where changes that it changes the where the use is permitted versus discretionary. So two of the districts, instead of being listed as discretionary under the discretionary uses, the use will be listed as a permitted use in the primary commercial district, which is primarily Main Street and the Riverfront Development District, which is along the river in the, the downtown. And then there's also an added regulation in that second version of the bylaw that gives us a little bit more uh, discretion when it comes to setbacks relative to spaces where uh, children might be on a regular basis, such as parks or schools. So there, those are the two bylaws before you. And if council wants to change to do the second option, then I would just suggest that if you're doing that, you are motioning very specifically so that it's clear. So you just mentioned um, commercial along Main Street. I thought this area was also like commercial, that area north of the bridge and up by the high school where the trailers are and so on. That area is zoned M1B, which is one of the districts where it would be listed as a discretionary use. Because I can see supporting discretionary there, but I cannot see, see supporting um, permitted in that area, yes. just because of the schools and whatever. That area is not one of the areas where it's listed as permitted. Just my understanding, I think the areas we were talking about specifically were permitted were in the Main Street area and that little area on the riverfront that was zoned over the commercial track. That's those right. are the only two. Yeah, those are the two where it's okay. listed as permitted. Everywhere else, there's enough, right. a bunch of other districts that's permitted or discretionary in those districts. Yeah. So if someone wants to make a motion for the second version, how would you, what would your, what would your suggested motion be? Uh, as they move to update the bylaw to enable brewery, winery, and or distillery as a permitted use in the Riverfront Development District and the Primary Commercial District, and add the following regulation of to proposed section 1221. The Development Authority may consider and apply the development separation distance requirements established by section 1219C when making a decision on a development permit application for a brewery, winery, and or distillery. It's option for a request for decision. So who wants to make that motion? Mr. Good. I would like to make that motion. <laughs> 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 okay. So now we can, now we have a motion on the table, we can focus discussion. So uh, any, uh, any comments or questions uh, on, for a second? So, and, and this is not a big enough change that you have to go back to first reading or, or something. It's still enabling the use in all of the same districts and we're adding a regulation that deals with the, the change to permit it to still give us a bit of discretion. So I don't, do not believe it's a big enough change to require re-advertising. Uh, uh, any other questions or concerns or comments or observations? <laughs> no, I think we better move on. So the, in the motion, it talks about a separation distance. So 
the development officer knows it's 150 meters or it's hidden by we don't I, my question is we don't state it in the motion we just go with these words well the proposed regulation specifically references the section within the line bylaw where that 150 meters exists okay, so it's, it's not needed here all right okay so i'm going to call for a vote on mr good's motion for seconding all in favor great well done um uh, does someone want to make a third third reading? Oh, all in favor of third reading? It's passed. Thank you. Oh, maybe because we got bylaw 2006. Oh. Or you're not dealing with that. She can. Thank <laughs> 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 you. Okay. Thank you. We're coming back with the story. And you know these things are podcasts. Skip. Yes, yes, Mr. Town, please. Good evening, Your Worship and Council. Nothing clears out chambers like bylaw. Mm -hmm. Request for decisions or the director of finance. Yeah, I don't know if you can count yourself as being the awesome department when you clear everything out. The X lacks of the no one misses this far enough, I guess. <laughs> okay, Mr. Town, you have the floor. I'm sure I deserve some of those. <laughs> I won't go too far. Before accounting for your consideration this evening is a request for second and third reading for bar law 2006, which is a bar law concurrent indebtedness in the amount of 676300 for the remediation of the 99th Street slide um, project. So, Council has given first reading to Bar Law 2006 back on September 11th. Um, it was advertised as per required in the MGA for two um, issues in our local uh, newspaper on October 25th and November 1st. Um, and no petitions um, as uh, identified within the MG have been received um, at the time of the writing of this report or the subsequent time period since which would uh, cover the required time uh, to get those petitions into the CEO. Um, so the bylaw could now proceed uh, for second and third readings if, if council so chooses. Okay, and uh, this is for the remediation of 99th Street slide. So the tender was put out there. We uh, reviewed the bids for the tender, but we haven't awarded it yet. So what's the status of the emergency funding? So your worship uh, met with both our provincial and federal counterparts last week. Uh, the federal government came back with uh, a couple last minute questions. We had those answered last week. Uh, they are confident uh, on the business case going forward. They're presenting their business case to their board on the 7th of December. Uh, and 
we feel fairly confident we'll get a decision shortly after that meeting announcing uh, the award of uh, the funds uh, for that those for that grant. Okay, so for the summer. Uh, any questions of Mr. Town? Mr. Good. Just one question. Uh, the, how much money of the town, how, how much of the town's dollars, I don't have in front of me here, we're going into debt for the 600 plus thousand roughly. And is another, is another chunk coming out of the budget, at, at coming directly out of the budget that I still have in front of me? I'm not, not sure I understand the question. I'm not so sure I understand <coughs> it either. Um, this, I think roughly we were talking, uh, and the numbers are very general, $6 million roughly for the whole. For the oh, whole. yes. Okay, so if you're looking at two and two million from provincial federal, roughly that leaves two. Six million would be entered for borrowed, and the 1.4 would be out of budget, or? So the funding for the project is on the first page of the bylaw, which is the third page of your report. Right. Um, of the $6.7 million project, one-third, 2.233 million, is to come from federal sources. Another one-third, 2.223 million, is coming from provincial sources. And then the balance from, from the town. So 200,000 from our own capital reserves, 1.357 million from our MSI uh, allocation, and then 676, so about 10%. So we're funding a third of the project, and of that third, 10% um, is, is debt related. Thank you. That was satisfactory, answer. Absolutely. Any other questions? Is there anyone who wishes to make a motion? Or I would move a second reading of bylaw 2006, a bylaw to incur indebtedness, the amount of $676,300 for the remediation of the 99th Street slide. All in favor? Asked. Uh, anyone want to make third reading? Mr. Skimmerhorn, all in favor? Uh, I see there's no unfinished business tonight. Uh, we have quite a list of new business items here. So 8.1 is a uh, request for decision regarding changes to council meeting dates. <coughs> Thank you very much, Your Worship and Council. Um, what you have for you is um, a basic uh, brief note of some adjustments and changes uh, from some of the meetings that we've had. Um, basically, we'd like to uh, propose uh, canceling a couple of uh, uh, meetings that we have. So December 4th, the GMP meeting, uh, cancel that and change it to a budget workshop. We are requesting to cancel December 12th, uh, which was a special council meeting for budget and also the December 19th special council meeting uh, to terminate that one. What we're proposing is we're uh, asking to add January 5th as a workshop uh, for strategic planning and January 15th and January 29th as special council meetings um, for budgets uh, talks. That's basically the canceling and the proposing of new ones and we're sorry uh, 
staff has been working diligently trying to ensure that we can get the strategic plan and the budget forward. We realize we bit off uh, a little bit too much uh, than we could chew right at this time, and uh, we do appreciate uh, council being a, uh, a little, giving us some leeway there. So thank you very much. But we have to formally change and cancel, so that's basically what we're requesting. Questions for Mr. Parker? I'm assuming that the January 5th is actually 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. Oh, yes, it is, sorry. Yes, we, we wanted to do an all 24 nights. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to It is a.m., yes. Maybe we should go with a 24 hour clock. <laughs> so, Mr. Mayor, I would move that uh, Council approve the uh, proposed schedule of meetings for as listed. Okay, all in favor? Passed. And the uh, next item. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, next item on the agenda is a uh, is a pierogi polka party. Uh, is that appropriate? What's <laughs> <laughs> the decision regarding the North Peace Gymnastics pierogi dinner? So uh, we have, um, we, we helped support this uh, organization and what they've done is they've given us a couple of uh, tickets to their events. But they've also uh, requested that if any other counselors wish to attend, uh, they'd be more than happy to uh, come on out and poke a party with their wonderful pierogies. Uh, costumes are uh, optional. Uh, I don't know if they dress up as bacon or something. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, yeah, you're allowed to come. Uh, in order to do that, we need an enabling motion. So that's basically um, enabling any council to attend this if they wish or not. They're not having it in Nampa this year. Okay. Okay, who wants to make the motion? Then? Enable council or just two council members? Okay, a motion from Mr. Duke and we will cancel the attend the North Peace Gymnastics um, uh, pierogi party. Do we know how much the tickets are? The tickets have a cash seat value of $60 per ticket. All in favor? Oh, I didn't know I made a motion. I'm, did you? Mr. Did you? Okay, all in favor? Passed. Your Worship, just yep. I'm just a little bit confused, so okay. I'm sorry I did put my hand up and then went back and looked again. The letter actually says that there's two enclosed tickets, right? Okay, and so what was the motion that we actually passed? Just to enable you to attend. Okay. So if you want to buy your own ticket to attend, that's fine. But, you, but there are two here, so first come, first serve, I guess. Um, so ne the next one is a briefing note on the Peace Regional Recreational Center. I'm assuming Ms. Bell. Yeah. Oh, 
this bill and Mr. McQuaid. <laughs> well, I could agree with that. <laughs> Worshiping Council this evening, we've brought forward a briefing note in regards to the construction update for the Peace Regional Recreation Centre. Um, we unfortunately have news that we have encountered uh, some intact packs to the project schedule. However, the good news of it is that piling is completed. Um, however, it has taken approximately two months longer than anticipated due to the requirement of extending the pilings and the director of engineering can provide a little more technical detail of why this was required. So essentially when we did the original geotechnical report to define uh, the lengths of the pile going into the ground, uh, when it came to actually piling, uh, the, the ground, the soils underneath were not as homogeneous as you thought they were going to be within that was uh, given in the original geotechnical report. So given that, you know, being that we're investing this amount of money into a brand new structure, we'll make sure we're starting off on solid footing. So took the time to drive the piles to the correct depth, make sure we've got proper foundations uh, set up and now that we've gone through and tested each of those piles and they are to the correct uh, depth and uh, correct uh, support and give us the proper bearing that we need for the foundations going forward. So now we can continue to move forward. But it did take us a bit of a process to get through there between uh, providing the pilings, doing the testing, making sure that they're correct, uh, make sure that as we go forward, we're on good solid ground. When you're talking about retesting, does that mean you redid geotechnical? Uh, we've, uh, as part of this, the town has retained a geotechnical firm, being J.R. Payne, uh, who do testing on our behalf to make sure that the piles are, uh, that when they're doing the blow counts onto there and doing the testing, that uh, it's correct. So J.R. Payne being our geotechnical engineer on site. Uh, and that testing is not external to uh, the, the contract for the building contractor. So we've retained them separately. So we're two months behind. Yes. That is correct, yeah. And, and we're not gonna be able to make it up. No, realistically, there might be a slight amount of time to be made up once the walls are up and erected and they start working inside of the building. Um, but they really don't anticipate anything moving more quickly than a standard process. Because at that point, we want things done well um, and not rushed either. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't look like we'll be able to really make up this time, unfortunately. So we are pushing an opening date a little bit later, of which we'll announce at a later date. <laughs> Can you refresh my memory? Even if it is March 2019, they weren't really going to be using the arena until August of 2019-ish. So we'll still need a number of months for moving in, um, doing our, all of our um, soft costs. Or all, there's a whole lot still to happen. This is March 
construction of the building. There's still a parking lot to be done. Oh, demolition of a building first before a parking lot to be done. So there's a bit of a process yet to happen. Um, the arena will not be operational until uh, that following ice season, <coughs> so August of 2019. And it's prior to that, we actually need to start the plant at least two or three times run it through, literally lay ice a couple of times, test it out before we actually open. So on the arena side, field house side would be open sooner, fitness side would be open sooner than the actual ice going in. Um, but overall, it really doesn't impact our operations. It's, it's the construction that we have allowed some wiggle room at that end. Um, there's quite a number of activities going forth though. You'll see concrete trucks actually uh, working on and have been working on uh, the grade beams and foundations and footings. Um, we're moving into hopefully the exciting stuff now. The architect commented that we literally have created a building underground through all of our um, beams that are created. <laughs> now we get to start working above ground. So this is where you'll see a lot of processing around the um, structure of the building. So you'll start to see structural steel start arriving on site towards the end of December, and that's when you'll actually start seeing walls going up. You were talking about timelines <coughs> photography during the construction, has anything ever happened with that? Yeah, so actually it's live as of today, very <coughs> lovely timing. Um, we've had a webcam up for approximately two weeks, I want to say already, yeah. um, recording information, and it is live on the website as of this evening. So you can, not much to see in the dark right now, other than <laughs> the pool parking lot where the lights are, but during the day you can see some activity going on at site. So that'll be accessible to, to anyone in the region. We don't, we don't need to beat this up too badly tonight, but I can't help myself. So a couple of neighbors, of course, have expressed issues and that was expected, I guess. Yes. Uh, so steel shows up the end of December. Is the lie down yard in the street, in the site, or north of the school, or is there, is there, is there a plan? Yes, there is. Uh, they've been in a, a, allocated two lay down areas. One is the site itself okay. and the other is just to the east of the existing Baytech Center. They've got that whole strip down there that they're allocated for lay down. Is that where area. I live? And then they've got, <laughs> actually they have three, three lay down areas. The third lay down area that we've allowed them that if they wanted to is uh, just to the east of where the dog park is, yeah. up by the cemetery, there's a chunk of land that they could use okay. up there and plow out in the oh. lay down area. I think, are you going to offer your front yard? Well, I, I was, was going to say, I can offer the names of a couple of residents and I can assure you that, that they, they feel as though they've already offered their front yards, but we don't need to bring that up. Well, that, that's good to hear. And just to digress back to the, the time, issue. Uh, everybody knows that this, you know, Councillor Needham's job was something about on time and on budget. Apparently I've failed already and I've <laughs> only been to one meeting or is it two meetings? You mentioned two. I actually failed on the on time portion yet because as a good engineer, I've always built contingency and part of that contingency was time. <laughs> 
guy sounds like a politician. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, the uh, so we we do just for the benefit of council. So I I'm still your rep on the committee and the experts uh, attend with me. But I I do and I will talk to Jim again. And I I heard the comment about not making a plan, but it would sure be great if um, you know for God's sake plan ahead. And uh, I can point to other construction jobs in town and. And, and on on day or on month 10th, somebody's ordering a furnace. It's like, you gotta be kidding. You, you knew about this when you won the contract 10 months ago, now you're ordering the parts. So um, I'll, I'll, I will continue to go to the meetings and people have got concerns, raise them. And I guess it's the, the lay down area, the, the parking and the, and the time. So if you've got more comments for me, uh, pass them along and I'll... Uh, well, 2019, that's our, our centennial year and that's our, this is our legacy project so we need to we need to make sure that it's done in 2019 and I, I, I can I can live with the two month delay I, I don't want to tell Jim tell Jim Marshall that but I can tell you if you look at the school in Grimshaw and the Rotary Health project in here it, they were if, if you were just to evaluate those projects on the timeline they both they're both disasters um, the multiplex in Valley View was supposed to be open in September, and now they're projecting December. Yeah, so, if, if so it's only I guess what I'm saying is not past <laughs> August 2019. No, um, anything, actually, our operational plan would be not past April, because we, we need time to prepare for that August opening for the ICE plant. So, we have even stricter timelines that we need to adhere to. So, yeah. So, in terms of um, the Grimshaw plant or whoever didn't order the furnace, who in our whole group says is that all ordered? By the way. <laughs> yes, uh, it's one of the things I've been keeping fairly close tabs on. We've actually just uh, gone through the shop drawings for the new ice plant and uh, had those approved. So all that equipment can be ordered so we've identified all our long order long lead time order equipment and uh, we've been reviewing those shop drawings uh, well in advance uh, and so those things get into the system they get ordered so they arrive when we need them just a, a final question for the benefit of council I, I they may or may not be aware so we have a new subcontractor on site so is that an issue for us or or not in, in, from a budget perspective so from a budget perspective uh no uh because it'll be required to maintain the, the the prime contractor still maintain to uh maintain the contract even though he's had to fire his steel sub and 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 get another steel contractor in place it's up to him to maintain that okay and the ags one is another one that that's correct. Yeah. Soldier on, no, no, yeah. no impact on no. on time that, and on budget. That's up to the contractor okay. to manage. Okay, fair enough. We've lost a local company who was one of our subs, which overall is not a good thing because it's a loss of a long-term community business, which is yeah, kind of sad. Yeah, yeah. he's a But thankfully, we have picked up another local contractor to do this. Yes, yeah, and as as good as the other. And, and councillors, just uh, one of the things is when uh, the directors are talking about our time frame, we actually have to do two runs of ice physically before we yeah. hit 
um, open it up to the public because we have to get the, the kinks out of the, the whole system. So the worst thing is if we try to open it up on August 1st and don't do any dry runs at all, then what would happen is, is it, it could cause a problem. So we are, we are, we are very diligent in trying to keep on top of everybody right here. Yeah. One of the nice things about uh, the ice surface is the ice plant that is going into the Zoo Rec Center is fairly similar to the one that is in Grimshaw. Uh, so there is a lot of expertise that we can draw on from Grimshaw as well as we're going through the commissioning process to get this one started now. Uh, provided the town of Grimshaw doesn't uh, make a motion to embargo technical information. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just a note too, I've sent out this briefing note to all of our municipal partners this evening, it's already gone, um, and members identified on the committee, so it was sent to their CAOs and also the identified members from the other regional municipalities who are a part of the project. So, hope, and I've asked them to disseminate to their rest of their respective councils so that they're all kept in the loop, as it were. So can I add yeah. a question? So Tanya, not to downplay the, and Jim, to downplay the importance of a furnace, but I see that you've talked about the flooring. So that was an issue and it's now gone away because you've solved it, because it was something that came up in the election that the flooring for the courts wasn't the appropriate flooring. So yeah. it, it, quite honestly, I think it's more of an issue of a lack of information. So once we had, for example, a member of a club basketball group and physically looked at the product we were putting in, which is different than what Grimshaw has put in. Grimshaw has put in a pour-in-place product, which is literally a rubberized surface poured onto the concrete. Our surface that we're using has more of a backing to it. Um, so it's a completely different surface, and they were very pleased with it and excited, and now we have basketball lines, which was really sort of challenging to put in I, I'm not sure why we were, lines. we were rolling, pushing cords all over the place to try to get the curtains and everything to line up. Um, it was a lot of back and forth with the architect, but we figured it out. So again, information, communication on that information that it's not the same as Grimshaw's, which would, we keep saying, but I think you need like to, it, it will not <laughs> bounce the same as using a sprung hardwood floor. We will never profess that. It, it will, is not a sprung hardwood floor, but is definitely different than a concrete pad with a, a layer of um, rubberized surface on it. Yeah. Is it possible that our, at our December uh, open house or whatever that you would have your diagram with the, sure. the goodies of whatever yep. sort you could? Yeah, we'll bring back all of that information as a sort of touch base with the community and maybe provide a little update of where we're at. Good idea. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I need a motion to accept for information. All in favor? Um, that takes us to uh, request for decision on library board member appointment. Uh, Your Worship, this is actually a reappointing of an existing board member to the library board. This is, as uh, note, a um, bylaw of the Town of Peace River with the requirement for town council to appoint board members to the library board. And Miss Julia DeVray, if I'm saying that appropriately, um, would like to be reappointed and has the support of the library board to do so. It would be a term for three years. And uh, Ms. Debray is 
uh, is a resident peace river or a resident of we don't have a residential requirement on our uh, ABCs any longer. Um, I'm not sure where she resides, quite honestly. She's definitely in the town. Oh. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, I would move that uh, Ms. Julia DeVree be appointed to the Town of Peace River Library Board for a term of three years. All in favor? Uh, request for decision regarding community services board uh, appointment. Um, for this request, uh, your mayor or your worship, we are uh, requesting an appointment for Diane Lavoie. I know you've seen this name before. She's actually been a part of our boards and committees as a Holy Family Catholic School Division representative and would like to sit as a member at large now that she's stepped down from her role at the Catholic School Division. We also have two other applications, but unfortunately didn't have quorum at our last meeting and we're not able to bring them forward. So we'll deal with those at a later date. Um, Ms. Lavoie brings extensive um, experience and knowledge and would be an asset to this board, of which the board has provided a motion for council's consideration. And she lives in the town of Peace Yes, she does. Your, your Worship, I'd like to make a motion that we um, appoint Diane Lavoie to the Community Services Board for a three-year term as a public member at large. All in favor? Thank you. Uh, now we've got a request for decision regarding ACO franchise fees. Council before you use a uh, information package and request for consideration for changes to the franchise fees that um, can be collected and then reimbursed to the town. Um, so just a little background in, in 2006 the town of Peace River entered a franchise agreement with ACO Electric um, for a 10-year term. It has since been renewed um, but at the time there was a, a franchise fee of 5%. That is, it's basically a, a transmission tariff on electricity into the area. So um, for the use of the system, um, we are effectively charging, ACO is charging residents on our behalf, a tariff or transmission type um, uh, franchise fee. So. This is one of our areas where we could consider as a revenue source. We have very few um, that we have um, any types of control over taxation, of course, being the big one. Um, and then we do collect other fees and services from uh, groups such as recreation users and, and whatnot. And, and this is another potential source um, of revenue to consider. Um, again, the, the fee was 5%, went up to 6%. Um, in 2009, 2013, it was increased to 7%. The rate was increased by half a percent last year to 7.5%. And staff are recommending that council consider another 
half percent increase, which would generate revenues um, of about an additional revenues of 38,000 per year. There's a listing of um, municipalities of similar size, so plus or minus 20% of the town of Peace River um, that are, are nearby, so within 200 kilometers as the crow flies. Um, within those, um, Peace River is currently pretty close to what the average amount is. The average is 7.6%. We were at 7.5%, so we're not um, significantly um, charging more or less than than what our, our comparators would. Um, and in the second chart there, there's information showing our, our closer um, neighbors, which um, these are the ones that are, are within 200 kilometers. A little different because there's, there's some um, either large or significantly larger or smaller type communities are not true comparators, but they are geographically closer to us and the percent uh, um, that they tend to charge this group is about 6.15%. So, so we are charging more than, than this group does. Um, so as I already mentioned, each half percent increase would generate additional 30,000 in revenues. Um, and looking at that, when you look at residential households, um, each residential property would pay on average approximately seven or twelve dollars and seventy-five cents per year, so about a dollar a month, in terms of additional um, franchise fees if council were to entertain this. So there's there's a couple options. Um, don't change the fee, um, except the recommended amount or a different amount as determined by council. Um, I, I will say that if council does not want to consider this, um, we do have other revenue options to consider, but those are generally taxation and taxes, so you know, it's just something to, to keep in mind. Questions on Mr. Town? its revenue so we're either going to collect it here or going to collect it on another line yes also and it impacts those that pay electrical bills so if you don't pay electrical bill you don't really get affected by this it does that that is something that i did identify within the report but didn't discuss um so renters people who do not pay property taxes this is a way for the town to recoup some money off of them. So they enjoy the services of the town, but they generally don't pay property taxes um, unless it's recouped through, the, through their rent or, or other means. Um, but if, as a property owner who is renting, um, they may not um, have to absorb this charge and it would likely be paid by, by a renter. So, you know, it's just a different um, taxing mechanism that we can employ. So basically what you're saying is this, this really spreads the cost over a greater for the entire community as opposed to a, a subset of ratepayers. For an example, we forgive taxes to a dozen different groups in this community, but they all pay an electrical bill. So this is 
a manner to actually gain some revenue out of those groups. That's correct. I'm okay with motion. Okay, so for focus discussion, we made a motion to, uh, that's in line with the, uh, the recommendation to move the uh, franchise fee charged by the Town of Peace River to 8% for 2018. That's correct, Your Worship. How do you see, with this, if this motion passes, how do you see the, uh, as far as the budget goes, and you see that being a uh, no tax increase? Looking forward? No, I don't think there's any way council could avoid the tax increase this year. Um, the, we, we need a certain amount of new revenues to, to maintain our existing services. So we have a whole bunch of expenditures that are coming up, salary, materials and supplies, utilities, um, and whatnot that are all increasing and, and funds must be raised to, to deal with those increases in expenses. This will minimize, and when I say minimize, I mean probably by about 10%, um, any tax increase. So let's say we need to raise an additional 250,000 in tax revenues, you know, this would reduce it by about 38,000. So, you know, maybe one eighth or one seventh of, of your so potential. So this 0.5% increase is equivalent to $38,000? That's correct. I don't want to get council's hopes up and, and have the discussion of there won't be a tax rate increase or tax increase, because I, I think that's highly unlikely unless we get some direction from council on existing service levels and services. Um, I, I just, I have a real difficulty in, I mean, I know we need money, I'm not talking, I'm not arguing that fact, but it continually creeps up and up and up and up and up on people who have not seen their salaries increase for the majority of people to, they don't get the option of a lot of people of having their salaries creep up and up enough to compensate. Um, it, it's very frustrating, like I say, a tax under a different name, you know, whatever. And we're already one of the, we're already among towns in Alberta as stated before. And this is no criticism in any way to anybody. We're the highest tax town in Alberta, over 4,000 people, highest tax rate. Again, that's no criticism. You need the money to do what you're doing. Um, I would rather be direct in the raising of the money rather than the kind of hidden ways of doing it because most people are not looking at the bill. So if we're going to raise $38,000, let's have that discussion with the public and say, are you okay with it going up $38,000, not sort of disguise it in some way. And I'm not saying that people are intending to sneak Sally down the alley here, but if we need the money, let's do it there. Let's not creep up all the other stuff and say, well, we didn't raise taxes this year. In fact, you did. Let's be upfront about it. 
A lot of times I've had frustrations with budgets because we don't address the infrastructure deficit in the budget, which to me is the same as saying I'm going, I have a good budget for my house, I, I just didn't include maintenance this year. Um, so until, I'll just leave it at that. I, I, I personally can't support the increase because it's not, that's up front. So. Uh, well, what's not up front about it? Uh, it's, uh, there's a motion uh, to increase the franchise fee by 0.5%. And this, this fee, actually, whereas if you were to say $38,000, you need to raise $38,000 that was in the previous franchise fee, that goes directly to the, to the property tax. Bill, whereas this is uh, this particular tax uh, pretty well well you can't live without electricity so it affects everybody so the tax burden is actually spread out over more people and so the church that doesn't or the mosque or the synagogue or the temple that that gets a gets a tax exemption status on their property tax still have to pay this particular fee. So you so the burden is actually more equally borne by everybody. But that's just that's just a comment I think. You want to put yeah I, I know Councillor Dean has a motion on the floor but is this is this something that has to be dealt with now or can it be dealt with that when we're doing our budget it, actually we were hoping to do it sooner but unfortunately when, when we uh, canceled the budget meetings we um, couldn't bring it forward it has to be dealt with now because uh, tomorrow morning i have to let them know one way or the other because they have to go through the regular story board yeah they, they they said they sent out correspondence but we never saw it this is something we normally deal with in october um, which gives us a bit more time but we never we, we never received anything, we don't think so. Um, they do need a, a decision by the end of the month because it does have to go, as the CEO mentioned, through the um, the utility uh, regulator. You know, there's probably a little bit of advertising and, and their uh, due diligence for, for hearings and changes to rates. Any other questions of Mr. Town? Or do I call for a vote? Okay, gone for a vote. All in favor of Mr. Needham's motion to increase the ADCO franchise fee from 7.5% to 8%. Uh, all in favor? Against? It was two nays. Or did you? Sydney? What did you say? Okay. Um, so we uh, so there's no reports currently. Uh, there's one uh, information item: a letter received November 22nd from the Peace River Women's Shelter Shelter regarding the Red Lantern campaign. Uh, is anybody want to underscore anything in that particular? letter uh, this is uh, I imagine this is their uh, this is probably their 
Is it, do you think this is the major uh, fundraising effort, or that's probably the light up the yeah. or the press board trees? Oh, okay, we we have their lantern in our window. I, I wasn't under the, your worship. I wasn't under the impression that this was a fundraiser at all. Yeah, no. this is an yeah, it's just an awareness campaign. Yeah. Okay. So perhaps the press will uh, spread the message about the Red Lantern campaign. Okay. Uh, any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? There are none, your worship. Um, Ms. Rinsdale, are you a member of the press these days, or? Uh... I just sat here. I oh, so you're still a, 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 a really part of the public. Okay. Uh, well, we, this is our uh, section in where we ask for comments from the public. If you wish to, uh, you have a concern you want to bring up at this time, this is your opportunity. This is my first meeting, so. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll go back to that. Uh, so, so Mr. Taylor, what what are the uh, what are the key items that you or what you thought were the key items in the meeting? It's a pretty uh, busy meeting, wasn't it? Uh, busiest one in a while. <laughs> wow. Okay. Sound bites from us? Uh, if you're willing. And also, uh, uh, and of course, there's the actual franchise fees and the letter campaign, which I will be for the women's shelter, which I will be calling them about. Okay, great. Um, so, you do you want to get some sound bites from us? On which oh. items? Or do you have enough? <laughs> I'll let Mr. Good. Uh, <laughs> no, I'll not. I'll think. <laughs> the soul, the soul, dissenting voice on council. No, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll handle that. That's why I get paid the big bucks. So, Mr. Mayor, um, the town on this coming Friday has the volunteer recognition event. That might be of uh, interest, although it's a quasi-closed event, but we're still recognizing yeah. Yeah. volunteers in three categories. Yeah. And the other thing is uh, December 9th, the museum is having its NAR tea. Uh, Christmas tea. Not whiskey. That might, whiskey. That might be of interest. We're going to have another Christmas whiskey. Is that later? <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing. That'll be the New Year. Yeah, New Year. What time does the NAR event start? Uh, just in addition, Brian, when you're done writing there, there's the firefighters graduation thing as well. That's tomorrow. So you're on. No. Is it? 
Yeah, we have a So, um, I guess I forgot to ask for a motion on the information item to accept that for information the letter received from the women's shelter. So, someone want to make that motion? I'll make that motion, Your Worship. All in favor? Yeah, anything else that we missed, uh, Ms. Yoon, in terms of key communication items? Uh, just adding the bylaw info. Uh, aside from that, no. Oh, yeah. Are you going to mention that people can set up a distillery now on Main Street? <laughs> I might as well do it. Just like that. That's the way I already ran at the last meeting. You know, the last meeting. Okay. So, uh, we'll, we'll be going in camera, so we'll recess for five minutes so that uh, Mr. Taylor can get his uh, sound bites.